Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into the Opening Drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman. Randy Carricker is out today. He will be back on Monday. The Blues took another loss last night, and Michelle, people are going to be fired up. I know they were last night. I know they are today. Get your texts in to the, to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Get your mic drops to the 101 ESPN app. We can discuss it all. The Blues lose to the Islanders 5-2. to two. And Michelle, here we are again talking about another loss, six in a row for the Blues. Uh, just extremely frustrating. It really is, Carrie. And yes, please, everyone, send in your mic drops. Today's going to be a day to let it all out. I know we did a little bit of that yesterday, but after that performance last night, Carrie, I'm kind of at a loss this morning. Yeah. I'm, I'm less angry than I was yesterday, and I'm trending more towards frustration and apathy. They've lost six straight in regulation. It's the first time this has happened since February of 2018. And... You know, in the first period, Carrie, I was a little encouraged. The yeah. Blues came out with more energy. Vladdy Tarasenko uh, with the one-timer to get the Blues on the board. A great dish by Tori Krug. It seemed like things were trending. But the second period has just been such an issue for the Blues so far this season. And it happened again last night. And things just, it, they all unraveled from there. It did. Vladdy, Vladdy got the game rolling with, with the uh, first goal of the night. And it's rimmed around to the far point as the Blues dump it in. Krug with a wrist shot wide. Tarasenko, he scores! The puck came off the end boards to Tarasenko on the near side. Quick shot in. 1-0 Blues. 11.43 to go, first period. And as you said, Michelle, it, it looked very good in the first period. Go to intermission, and then you got to start the second period, and then it just, the wheels seemed to fall off. The uh, Islanders got three goals back to back to back, and then Anders Lee got the fourth goal. Letty very slow to get up. I didn't see who he ran into back up the ice. It's coming right in past Letty. Islanders wrap it around. They shoot, and they've scored. 4-1 to one, New York, 9.42 to go here in the second period. And you can see, you can hear the boos there. Mm -hmm. There is a a level of frustration with this team at this moment that uh, fans don't normally uh, boo St. Louis sports teams unless you're just performing extremely poorly. And and the Blues have been doing that the last few games. It's it's extremely frustrating to hear. It's extremely frustrating to watch. As you said, Michelle, that first period, I saw a lot of life. I saw Mm -hmm. Blues flying around. They were hitting people. There was there was some things going on that had not been taking place uh, in the previous games. And for whatever reason, in the second period, it seemed like the same Blues we've seen all season long. And that's when the frustration really starts to to seep in for fans and, and for everyone watching. 
Yeah, St. Louis is not New York. It's not Boston. It's not Philly. Booing is not part of our DNA, Carrie, unless it's very warranted. And I think that where the way the Blues have been playing, the fans are more than welcome to boo them. I think the, the players, even though they probably don't like it, it's probably an uncomfortable feeling, they would acknowledge that as well. I'm sure that they can't feel as if their, their performance is not worthy of what the fans are giving them. But, yeah, in that first period, Carrie, I really was encouraged. I saw... Uh, a little bit more effort, energy, energy. You know, they Vladdy gets the Blues on the board first. They're not operating at a deficit, which is something yeah. that's been happening during this losing streak. So I was feeling a little encouraged. And then in that second period, it was like what we've seen the the previous five games that that team stepped out onto the ice. And so many things are plaguing this Blues team, Carrie. But in the second period, the Blues have been outscored eighteen to six this season. Mm. That's really been such a bugaboo for them. And the boos are happening not only because the team is losing, but because this is not the type of hockey that St. Louis Blues fans are accustomed to, especially under Craig Bruby. They're not used to a lack of energy. They're not used to a lack of physicality. The turnovers and the sloppy mistakes, this is just not what we're used to seeing from a Blues team. And, Carrie, even though there were some encouraging signs, especially early on, I, I kind of don't know where... Doug Armstrong and Craig Bruby go from here because they tried uh, the the public and private chastising of the team. Yeah. They tried to shake up the lines, and it it didn't seem like anything was really shaken loose last night with this team. Nothing at all. Craig Bruby had some thoughts on that first period. Yeah, um, you know, love the first period. You know, um, especially the first ten minutes, twelve minutes. Come out in the second. You know, it's just it's it's a goal that there's no reason for it to happen. Yeah, it, the first period was 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 pretty good, and then you get into the second period, and as I said, the wheels seemed to fall off. Uh, Robert Thomas had some thoughts on what hurt the Blues and and didn't get the momentum going momentum going in that second period. Yeah, I mean, we had a great first period. We did exactly what we wanted, especially in the first ten minutes. Got a ton of chances, and then just took the foot off the gas. And you know, it starts with myself. I had a bad turnover, and that's the third goal. And um, yeah, that that kills our momentum at all. So uh, I got to be a lot better. Michelle, I, I I I don't think it's a lack of trying hard. I, I mean, I I think you know I think they want to win. I think they are a group of men that are are you know giving their their giving what they can in the moment. I I think maybe there is uh at times there can be more effort from certain people, but. Overall, all in all, each one of those guys want to win. They want to win badly. They're going to do. They're going to try to execute the game plan as well as they can. But for some reason, between the play on the ice, the game plan, the, the there's some form of disconnect when they take it from from practice to the game. And and for some reason, it's just not happening right now. And I, if I had an answer, I would tell you I do not have an answer. I I don't know if you do. So you think it's more of a personnel issue than an effort issue? Am I reading that correctly, Carrie? Say that again. I'm sorry. Do you think it's more of a personnel and a talent issue than you than you do an effort issue? It, it, it could be. I, I'm. I, it could be a personnel issue. You know, maybe you have people that are, you know, they don't just they don't they don't coincide well. They are not playing well as a team. And there are at times you talked about the the, the loss of David Perron. You talked about you know just not being able to gel at this moment. You would hope that. You know, at this point in the season, obviously it's still early, but more than enough games to where you would feel that things could be and should be trending in the right direction or or you would see some signs of it. I think the first period you saw it, but for whatever reason, sustaining that from period to period after intermissions, it does not seem like it's holding well. And, and 
I don't know if it's a personnel issue, but I do know this, that if it continues, it will be thought of as a personnel issue and there will be some some movement mm-hmm. because you cannot show what they're showing night after night on the ice. You have to show more effort, more energy consistently. You have to not turn the puck over. I told you, if you are continuing to make the same mistakes in the real world, repeat offenders go to go to jail. In sports world, you get fired. So that's just the, the nature of the business. You get fired, you get traded. If you're not performing well or performing to the level that you are expected to. And right now, I think the entire team can look uh, at themselves and say, hey, I need to be better at this. I need to be better at that. And they are not right now. And until they do, they're going to continue to struggle. Can I just give you a couple things that are rattling around in my head, stream of consciousness style? Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, so we've seen – David Perron was a huge component of this team. There's no doubt about that. However, we've seen in years past players who were equal, if not more, of a, of a big component of the team move on, and the team kept it moving. David Backus, Alex Petrangelo. I mean, when the, the captain of the team and the guy who hoists the cup moves on, that's a big blow. Yeah. So I don't understand why – and, and granted, it's very early in the season. I, I get that, and and they're trying to calibrate. Yeah, but you've but, seen you've seen man. big names and heart and soul type guys move on from this team before, and you haven't seen a fallout like this. Right. I also look at the roster, and the majority of these guys were there last year, and we weren't seeing this. Maybe a little bit in the playoffs, but granted, they were facing a very tough opponent in Colorado. But mm-hmm. that's, that's something we talked about a little bit in the playoffs. Is it just didn't seem like outside of Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron at time, and, and of course Jordan Bennington that that you were getting 100% from everybody. But the majority of these guys were there last year, and and we were seeing a different version of this team, which is why I can't understand it. Carrie, they came out and won the first three games of the season. Yeah. So if this was from the jump, it would have been, oh, wow, maybe this is just, you know, something is completely wrong. And even though something's wrong right now, they, they won the first three games of the season, and then it just seemed like the carriage turned into a pumpkin. I mean, they've been outscored 30-11 to 11 during this stretch. And I know they're trying to generate chances, and they, and they can't seem to find the back of the net, but I'm just – I'm left scratching my head this morning, Carrie. I, I don't really know how to make A plus B equals C here. I, I, I never knew how to do that anyways, Michelle, and I definitely <laughs> don't know how to do it now. <laughs> Make sure you get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Get your mic drops in to the 101 ESPN app. We want to hear your thoughts about what's going on with the Blues and maybe how they can fix it. The uh, Astros took a 3-2 lead in the series last night with a 3-2 win over the Phillies. And, uh, Michelle, it was, a, it was a very good game. Astros got things started off with a single uh, by Jeremy Pena to bring in Jose Altuve. Bottom of the first, that guy Kyle Schwarber came up to the plate and did what he does. Here's the 0-1 now from Verlander. Another high fastball, and it's ripped to right and gone! Kyle Schwarber gets a hold of a high fastball and laces it into the seats in right to tie the game. Astros were able to take a 3-1 lead later on in the eighth inning. Uh, the Phillies were able to get one run off a Segura single, scoring Castellanos. Uh, and then in the bottom of the ninth, there was a play, Michelle, that I think is one of the best plays we've seen, obviously, all season, and maybe one of the best plays in World Series history. Uh, Rio Muto took a deep fly ball to center, and there was Chas McCormick there. Fly ball right center field. McCormick on the move. He's at the track. He's at the wall.
that pretty much sealed the fate for the Phillies last night. Bryce Harper got hit by a pitch, then Castellanos grounded out the shortstop to end the game. But that play by Chaz McCormick yeah. in center field, it, it brought up memories. It's not the same play. I think I still always will say that Jim Edmonds playing center field versus the Houston Astros was the best play I've ever seen with my own two eyes in person. Uh, but that play last night was an awesome, awesome play uh, where he he went out there and made that play and, and fighting against the fence, made a mm-hmm. big catch, and Presley was absolutely stunned that he made it and obviously helped them win that game. This World Series has been so entertaining, Carrie. It's been so filled with drama and uh, iconic moments like this one from Chaz McCormick last night. That was just, that was one of those memorable moments that especially if Houston goes on to win this thing, is going to be played on loop over and over and over again. Indeed. But, um, I want to quickly shout out Justin Verlander, yeah. who yeah. <laughs> had, had been trying <laughs> for 16 years to get the elusive first World Series finally. win, and he finally gets it, especially after a little bit of a stumbling block early on in the game. He settled in. Uh, they were talking about it on the broadcast last night. Verlander's such a rhythm pitcher that yeah. once he he gets in that rhythm, you know that he's going to dominate, and he hadn't been able to do it, and it's just so crazy to me that you could have a guy like Justin Verlander who's probably going to win his third Cy Young Award this season and who just couldn't get it done in the World Series, and I was just happy for him. Even though I want Philly to win, I was happy for him that he was able to get it last night because I I want the icons of the game to be able to succeed and Justin Verlander certainly fits that bill. That's Michelle. I'm Kerry. Make sure you get those texts in to 65780. The mic drops into the 101 ESPN app. Coming up next, we have Lindenwood head football coach Jed Stugart on the lines. We'll be talking about a little bit Lindenwood and maybe their potential playoff chances. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, two, three, four. Good morning and welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk to head football coach of the Lindenwood Lions, Coach Ed Stug- Jed Stugart. Coach Jed Stugart. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Great, Kerry. How are you doing, man? I am, I am doing well. I think you're doing better than me. You all have a big win <laughs> versus William Jewell last week, making it four in a row. Coach, how excited and, and how is your team feeling about the potential to make it five in a row and, and how this season is going so far? Well, you know, I think just getting back to, well, we're very excited, but obviously um, it, it's kind of shifting back to the one to know mindset. You're a coach. You've, mm-hmm. you've given that speech a lot, you know, where you're you're coming off of a really good win and, and – uh, it's good to feel great after that. It was a win we feel like we, we expected to happen. We expected that of our guys. And, and uh, now it's time to shift back to, uh, you know, conference play and, and uh, celebrate, but get refocused. So it's, I think it's been a good week. But, yeah, I mean, we don't sit there and uh, not let our guys be excited about what they've accomplished to date. I mean, it's something that we're, we, uh, we're proud of them on, but just always trying to keep them focused to the next one. Coach, a lot of great things happening at Lindenwood. I was reading uh, an article last night that said that you have experienced a 35% surge in attendance at home games so far this season. What's that been like to uh, to have more people coming to games and just to feel that excitement? Well, thanks, Michelle, for being on this morning, too. You know, it's, um, um, man, it's, it's, it's really exciting. I think, you know, part of that is I, I think uh, – you know, obviously the move, you know, having Division One football in St. Louis, I think everybody felt like that was, you know, going to be something uh, that uh, that contributes to that, I, I think. Um, you know, 
you know, winning, I think, is helping. I think, you know, uh, there's uh, – but our, our administration, I just – you know, I, I keep going back to the commitment that, you know, our school made into just the whole game day experience. I mean, just uh, with tailgating, um, you know, the whole experience coming there, I mean, having – all these vendors and live bands and the, the whole pregame experience has just been outstanding. Uh, and, uh, and it continues to grow. And, um, you know, and so, and, and the other thing too, is, you know, we made a real big commitment to recruit the city of St. Louis, man, that's our backyard. Um, and, you know, we started, you know, we started recruiting right when we got here, made that a big commitment. And, and I think also just the fact we've, how many friends and families we have sitting in the stands as well with the kids that we recruit just from our backyard. So a lot of contributors. And coach, I imagine that that has such a positive effect on your team as well. Seeing, seeing that energy in the stands. Oh man, it's, it's awesome. I, I'm so proud. And then, you know, the other thing, uh, the uproar uh, is a kind of a student led uh, fan section. And that was another thing we were intentional. Our team at Lindenwood uh, of, of, uh, you know, our, our guys, you know, pushing that student section and making it a big deal. And, and uh, you know, we're, we've had we've had the most uh, uh, student support and, and uh, turnout this year uh, by far and making that a fun experience as well. And it just energizes our guys and, the, you know, to have them standing up, the crowd standing up on third downs and fourth downs and they can feel that uh, it's a big uh, it's a big asset to have at home. Hey, Coach, we had a uh, head coach for the Illini, Brett Bielema, on earlier this week, and I asked him this same question. So I'm going to ask you, what do you look for uh, when you are recruiting student-athletes? What are some of the main uh, sticking points that you need to see from a student-athlete in order for them to come play for you at Lindenwood? Well, Coach, we, we know uh, – we, we ask uh, – when we talk to high school coaches and, and or when we see kids come to camp or whatever, um, first thing I mean we look at is, is character and just, you know uh, – you know, when you hear a coach speak on a kid's character or, they, or their eyes light up or they get excited about kind of their leadership, their character, um, you know, do they love the weight room? Do they, do, they, uh, do they go to class? Do they like school? Those things. Um, and you got, you know, that's what we look for first. You got to be disciplined to turn off the, and turn the page on, on just a high talented kid um, if they don't have those other things, because I think at the end of the day, you know, those become projects and we try to stay away from projects. So, I mean, you have to keep the order right. Um, you know, when you're, when you're being, when you're recruiting and, uh, and, you know, high character and work ethic is really got to be the first thing that we look at. Um, and, uh, you know, because I've, I've, uh, I've been blessed to win a lot of football games or be a part of winning a lot of football games as a head coach with, with just a little bit of a shorter and, and maybe just a little bit of a slower guy, but, outworks everybody on the, on the field in the weight room um they win games for you um i got a quarter quarterback to prove that <laughs> <laughs> hey coach you all received seven votes for the top 25 uh this past week how realistic is it for you all to to think about the college the, the college football players the fcs fo- football playoffs and how important is that for your first year of division one to make that to make that playoff uh run well, first of all, I think it, you know, it's good for, for, you know, I think our seniors, it's a great experience, you know, for, you know, something they, you know, um, uh, you know, didn't even know that they were going to be a part of and to kind of show that, you know, uh, uh, that, and, you know, this is kind of an accomplishment for them, you know, to uh, been, you know, been two time conference champions the, the last two years and been to the playoffs the last two years. And then to find out, you know, Hey, we're receiving votes already. Um, and it's good for our future too. For you know, I think uh, kids to see our recruits to see that hey, we're not 
you know, the first year and moving to Division One, and and uh, we're not far off uh, to to be able to to even start getting votes in the top twenty five. And you know, we're we're humbled by the respect of that we've gotten from people that cast those seven votes. You know, that might uh, be learning about us, or or you know, we we don't take that for granted, but we're very humble to be recognized and, and people respect uh, what, what our kids have done to this point. So it's something I, I've always said, very hum- we're out humbled, uh, but we got a lot of work to do and we're grateful for that. You can catch Lennon Wood taking on Tennessee Tech at 1.30 on ESPN+. Plus. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck this weekend, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, Coach Michelle. Appreciate it. Well, have Thanks. a great weekend. Go get him, Coach. That was head Lindenwood football coach Jed Stugart joining us. Seven votes for the top 25 in your first year in FCS is pretty awesome, pretty amazing, and it means a lot you know, for that program. And going forward, if they are able to get to the top 25 and, and make a consistent run uh, in the FCS playoffs because those games are on ESPN mm-hmm. uh, and people can see them, and those are the things that draw more attention to your program. That's how you have the North Dakota States and the South Dakotas and North Dakotas. You see those teams playing, and then those guys end up getting drafted into the NFL, yeah. a la Carson Wentz. So, you, you know, you have more of an opportunity to to get those bigger name kids, uh, be seen on TV. So that, that's pretty cool for them, pretty exciting for them to have that opportunity. Yeah, that exposure is critical in so many facets of the of the university, whether it's uh, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, from a talent uh, acquisition standpoint, and getting more people in the stands, even though they've already had a 35% increase. I, I imagine more eyes on the program. It's going to get more butts in the seats. Uh, but, Carrie, I have a question for you. I really loved your question to Coach about what he looks for when he recruits players mm-hmm. and you ask coach Bielma the same thing. And I know that there's a lot of parents that are listening or maybe even some young high school athletes that are listening on their way to school. But uh, I just think as a or as a high school coach, Carrie, you could really speak to um, what collegiate coaches are looking for. I just thought it was so interesting that coach Bielma said uh, when you asked him first thing, he was like, I, I look at how they treat women. Yeah. I want to make sure that we are recruiting good people and right. high character individuals to the University of Illinois. Same thing that we just got from Coach Stugart. He says, we stay away from projects. We're right. looking for for athletes with character and that have that work ethic. And I just, I think we think about talent and how yeah. talent rules everything, but it really is an all-encompassing look at the person that a lot of these coaches are going for. Yeah, you have to you have to look at it from their perspective. I mean, they're they're signing someone or committing to someone that could potentially get them fired if they're not good people. And you know, everyone is going to make sure that they're taking care of their own home, uh, make sure that their family is able to be fed, make sure their kids are able to be taken care of. So you want to be surrounded by good people. And, and if you are a high school student listening, if you are a parent listening, you have to have children who, A, work hard, who mm-hmm. are good enough to do it. That's that's number one, because they're not even going to look at you if you're not the right height, size, speed, and able to play the game. So those are the first things, and some of those things you have no control over is genetics. But the next thing is, how, how well are you doing in school? Are you doing your schoolwork on time, being where you need to be every single day? And then are you a good person? And if you check all of those boxes, you tend to have a chance, a great opportunity to play college football. And I say, I, I like to tell parents this. I've been told this by one of my, my good coaching friends. In order to have a D1 uh, player, you have to be a D1 parent. 
which means oh. you have to show up and make sure that your child is doing their homework. Make sure that your, your child is eating the proper meals. Make sure that your child is not being a terrible person in school and around the community. You have to be a D1 parent to have a D1 child. It's not solely on the child to be a, 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 a stellar student athlete. The parent has to be a stellar student athlete parent in order for them to be successful because they're going to rely on you to make sure they're on practice at practice on time. Make sure that they have all of the things that they need, all of the equipment that they mean, may need. So D1 athletes, make sure you have D1 parents. I love that. Yeah, because you only get them for a couple hours a day. Indeed. <laughs> they, I, they I, they're home. only with me for three hours. They're with you your entire <laughs> life. So you, you, your, your impact weighs more uh, heavily than, than what I'm going to be able to do for them. That's no Michelle. I'm Gary. Coming up next, we'll talk a little golf with our friend Jay Delsing. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and have our great friend Jay Delsing joining us. If you have any questions for Jay, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Jay, how are you doing this morning, sir? I'm doing great, guys. Michelle, welcome back. Thank you, Jay. It's so great to talk to you. Hey, yeah, hey. how are things going? I'll, I'll t- we'll catch up later. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go, yeah, you, you too. Go ahead. Hey, go have at it. Go ahead. It's been <laughs> no, a while. People, people don't care. <laughs> yeah, I will text you later so we can catch up. It's been too long, my friend. I know. You know we're always watching and looking and pulling for you, Michelle. Thank you, Jay. Hey, Jay, I, I wanted to ask you about the Blues. They've lost six in a row. They've been struggling um, and, and can't seem to find the, the back of the net and can't seem to stop the puck from going in the back of their net. Have you ever, as a, as a professional golfer, had just moments where you felt like nothing about your swing was good, it was not great, every time you hit the ball you had no clue where it was going? Have you ever had a, a period where you just struggled to find your game in the way that you knew it to be? Oh, my gosh, Kerry, I, I wish I hadn't, but so many times. I mean, I can tell you that it seemed like when things were going bad, I would be three over before the round even started. Mm. You know what I mean? Before I knew what was going on, um, and, and, and what happened is, well, what happened is you almost start looking for bad things, or things to go wrong, you know, when, when it gets the, this pronounced slump like they're in. And the only way for, I was going to ask you the same thing in football, but the only way for me to get out of it was to get super, super simple and go back to the basics and play one shot at a time and just try to get in that bubble where you're not thinking about anything other than this shot right here. And I don't care where this goes. I've got to commit to this and do my thing. But you watch the blues and you just go, man, it, it just looks like everybody is, is waiting for the other shoe to fall right now. Yeah, Jay, I, I have had a moment like that in college. I, I caught a lot of passes in college, but there was a point my freshman year where I didn't know how to catch. I just dropped everything that was thrown to me. It was so bad that our head coach, Ron Turner, said, if we call this particular play, which I was the number one option, call a timeout. I don't care what where we are in the game. I don't care. If I call this play and Kerry Davis is in the game, burn a timeout. We we are not throwing him the ball ever again. And so, yeah, I, I have. I, I've been in that situation where I couldn't find my hands and I, my hands couldn't find the ball. So I, I, it is a struggle, and you just have to go back to the basics, as, as you said. Oh, my gosh. I've, had, I've stood over a putt, and I'm like, how am I going to get this thing in? Yeah. And then I look up, and it's, you know, it's 12 inches long. You know, you're just, <laughs> your mind starts going 
so haywire. Yep. And the stuff that comes in, you know, I can remember standing on a tee and going, you know, there, there could be a, an out-of-bounds stake 110 yards off to the side. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know there was OB on this hole. Hmm. You know, because all of a sudden your vision starts, you start picking up a yep. lot of crap that you do not <laughs> want in your head. You know, you do not, that is not the way to play anything. And you, you know, you're, you're you're unsure about your walking. You're unsure about everything. You second guess yourself completely. Well, Jay, how do you reset then? I know you say you want to take it back to the basics, but I think a lot of people listening are wondering if you have a mental exercise or maybe breathing something that you're able to do when everything's going haywire to reset and refocus. Yeah, Michelle. For for golfers, it's 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 all about the really. For I'm going to say this for athletes, it's all about your state of mind. Uh, the the best thing about the best club in Tiger Woods' bag was his mind, a hundred percent. In my mm-hmm. opinion, he he had played and seen this movie so many times before, and now he was just walking through it. There there is no doubt in my mind. So so Michelle, for me, it was the mental prep before the next round. I, I always did mental prep the night before, and it was what I wanted. I, I, I needed to prepare my mind for what could possibly happen the next day, you know, maybe leading the tournament. You, 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 if, if you're not prepared, you guys, to have the lead with five holes left, uh, whatever day it is, it's going to hit you like a freight train, and all of a sudden things will come completely off the rail if you're not ready for it. So the mental prep was everything for me, getting myself into a quiet place and, and doing a little meditation and getting my mind ready for, the, you know, it turns into a battle, uh, you guys, and it's a battle within yourself. Gary, when you couldn't catch the football, obviously you won a damn Super Bowl after that. Yeah. So you were able to get past it. But, yep. man, I, I tell you why you're going through it, you guys, you feel like you're never going to play Indeed. well again. Yep. Well, and it's it's harder, too, for golfers, Jay. I mean, not to take anything away from what you were experiencing, Carrie, but at least if you're on and playing in a team sport, there's other people around you that can potentially make up for your mistakes. When you're a golfer, I imagine the mental part of it, it's always so critical, but when you know it's just you, you're the only person that can get you right, that, that tends to get your mind spiraling as well. Oh, Michelle, one of the loneliest feelings. You know, when you know you don't have it, there are certain days – where you're like, whose hands are these? These do not belong to me. This ball is going nowhere. You know, I'm trying to hit draws and I'm hitting fades, and and every putt is like putting a beach ball into a thimble. You know, you're out there and you're thinking, this is this cannot end fast enough. This is somebody's got to take me out of here. And you look around and you're like, I still have 12 holes to play. You know, you you've you've got to get you've got to find a place. You have to dig so far deep inside and try and muster any sort of confidence that you can. And it's usually by by doing everything as simple as possible, guys. It's almost, I mean, I would almost go like, look, just hit this, this, hit this driver, aim it down the middle, pick your target and just hit this ball as hard as you can. You know, it was really that getting back to the, the most simplest level possible. And I, you know, I had Mark McGuire on the show, you guys, and he talked about, playing in, in Major League Baseball and batting, I think he batted under 200 one year, which he said is almost impossible to do. Mm. Doesn't seem impossible to me. But And I said, how did you deal with the failure? And he said, I went to the park every day thinking that they were going to send me to the minors. And I was almost hoping that they would send me to the minors. And he said, 
the, the stuff that you put yourself through mentally was way harder than the actual failing because you just torment yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, man, I'm never going to be able to hit this ball again. I can't catch this ball again. I'm, I remember thinking I may never make another cut again on the PGA Tour. That sucks, man, you know, because you can build an entire story around that. You're like, it's okay, so what's my next job going to be? You know, how am I going to support my kids? <laughs> you know, what's this divorce the rabbit like? hole. You know, yeah. when I'm out, I'm all out of money. Yeah, so you, your mind just can go, go crazy. And he talked about um, uh, getting your mind right, getting it quiet, quiet it down, because you really can control the thoughts that come in. A lot of people don't realize that, but you can really control your mind way more than you think, and you can choose what you're going to give energy to. And so Bob Rotella is a sports psychologist that, that um, I tried to ruin with all of my problems, but he managed to, to, to overcome me. And he talks about talking, you know, there's a, there's a critic inside each one of our heads that tries to tear us down. You don't look good enough. You don't do this. You don't do that. And you, you start talking back to it um, in your, in your mind. And, and you, you're like, look at, I made it. I used to say to myself, I might hit this ball in the water, but I'm not going to hit it in the water because I'm afraid of hitting it in the water. I'm going to hit this club and I'm, this is my target and I'm going to swing away and wherever it goes, it goes, but fear is not going to be part of it. And what happens you guys is the fear of losing and the fear of failing. It can motivate you. It motivated the hell out of Michael Jordan, but it can also, it can, that fear can take you right down into the toilet. Well, speaking of critics, Jay, I have to, of course, ask you about Live Golf. <laughs> it wrapped up its inaugural season last week with their team championship, and there was a lot of headlines made about Live Golf in their first season, a lot of big names that were defecting, a lot of money at play, but it just didn't seem like the interest from the public was really there. I'm just kind of wondering where you think Live Golf is going to go from here to sustain itself. Well, it's going to be interesting, Michelle, because you can't believe a damn thing that Greg Norman says. <laughs> and he's, he's already talking about a, a, a television contract. And I mean, I think that's in order for that to take to, to, for that to this to really take root in the in the U.S., it's, it's going to have to be seen somewhere other than YouTube. And he's he's talking about all of this interest. And, and, and yet there's, there's there hasn't been anything that I've heard of that's even in the pipeline. I mean, Fox is is uh, is probably an interesting uh, suitor just because of Rupert and being Australian. And also those guys are kind of out of the box when it comes to their thinking. But they, they, they paid $1.2 billion for the U.S. Open franchises and didn't last half of the for 12 years and didn't make it through year six before he dropped it because he got bored. And so I, that, one of the biggest – and Phil Mickelson, we've talked about him the last couple of weeks, Michelle. He's gone off the rails. I, I, I don't know what the hell he's – I don't know what's going on with him, but he's, he's lost his mind, I think maybe completely. So it's, it's really delusional, some of the things he's saying. So what, what, what I'm mostly interested in, guys, is I want to find out if the money that they're getting paid – so they're talking about all this money that was just passed out in the um, – and the, their little uh, season-ending thing with the team, $16 million for the team to split, et cetera. I want to find out if that's, a, if that's actually being paid to them or if that's against their draw. Because there, there's, there's a thought, and, it, and one of the things that drives me nuts about this is there's all this murkiness around Norman in this thing. Why, why aren't people telling us how long their contracts are? How long are you with Liv? Uh, we're, ta- we're hearing all this money. How, how long is your contract? And is, is this money you're winning against your draw or is it in addition to? 
meaning that it, you don't get paid any additional monies until you hit, you earn what your draw is. So Dustin Johnson's going to have to make, could potentially have to make a hundred and but 150 million before he actually sees any of this additional money. Hey Jay, you have a, a, an event coming up this weekend: grapes and golf for good. Uh, talk to us about it. It's at Wild Crush on Sunday. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, guys, and if you're in town, Michelle, if you're still around, and Gary, please come. We're, what we're doing, guys, is we're we're raising money and creating awareness for the Normandy Reimagined Project up in North County. So the golf course up there is a uh, it's 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 hosted. Gosh, I think Babe, they've got pictures of Babe Ruth playing there, and they've they've just had luminaries from from uh, different eras that have that have played golf there, and it's really important for that area to have a golf course that folks in that spot can get to. One of the biggest problems about trying to grow the game, you guys, is access to a course. You know, a lot of the city kids that we're trying to help, they don't have any. There's no golf course. There's Forest Park, but there's there, there needs to be places in their community where that kids can ride their bike to go hit some balls and go and go play a little bit or get into a caddy program and make some money. And so um, Jack Nicholas has agreed um, to um, redesign the golf course and waive his fee as long as we can raise additional money to support that cause. And so we're at Wild Crush from 6 to 8. Danny Mack is going to host a little roundtable with um, Bernie Federko and myself, two great human beings. Um, and, and, and we're going to drink some wine, and we're going to talk live, and we're going to talk the blues, and we're going to talk Cardinal baseball. I mean, there's a lot to, lot to talk about. So um, we're all getting together to just you know, kind of keep Normandy alive up there, and um, we'd love any support that, that, that anyone can muster. That's awesome, Jay. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Coming up next, get your texts in for Take It or Leave It at the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli is next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman. And it's time for Tioli. This is, a, this is a, a fun segment, Michelle. You know all about it. Some great takes, some outside-the-box thinking at times. And, yes. Um, you know, at times, Michelle, on this text line, I have learned that if you tell them something that you don't like, they tend to run with it. I've told <laughs> yes. them that my name is not Casey. It is Kerry with an R. Yes. It is Kerry with a C. Take it or leave it. I'm gonna leave it as I'm just not gonna bother anybody if I if I if I say something on my about my name again, they're going to go crazy and 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 really just give me everything I I, I don't want. Oh, I'll take that uh, from the text line. Oh yeah. Oh no doubt. You're, the text line is uh, one of the best and worst places on earth. Just like Twitter, <laughs> you know, just like social media. It's. It's amazing because everybody has a voice, and it's terrible because everybody has a voice. It is a beautiful place. Yeah. This texter did say, sorry, Carrie, coffee hasn't kicked in. I appreciate you, texter from the 314. We're, I'm watching. I'm looking. 
There you go. There you go. Um, what, when I first got into this business, Carrie, somebody gave me a good piece of advice because, you know, I'm I'm a person that does not like conflict. I, you know, if I have an issue with somebody, I like to talk it out. I want everybody to, to be copacetic and get along, and I want everybody to win. And when you get in this job... There just by you sitting in that chair and existing, there's inherently going to be people that don't like you. Oh yeah. And when I first cracked the mic and became a host, somebody told me, "If you don't have haters, you're not doing it right." Right. If you don't have somebody trolling you, you're not doing it right. <laughs> because just by by the sheer amount of people that are listening and consuming what you're doing on a day to day basis, somebody's not going to like it because you're not for everybody. So you need to take that as a positive. Like as soon as somebody doesn't like you, you're like, I've arrived. I, I, I'm here. Enough people are listening that somebody <laughs> doesn't like me. <laughs> and and as I say that, someone says, Oh, stop it, Kelly Davis. <laughs> Kelly Davis. <laughs> I appreciate Amazing. it all. I love it. Thank you, <laughs> Kelly Davis. That's Super Bowl champion, Kelly Davis. To you, sir so, or ma'am. That's Get right. it together. Um, okay, so I'm sitting in this amazing studio in, in New York. I'm at ESPN New York right now in the Canteen Carlin Studios. And they have all of these flat screen TVs up and there's all of these programs going. And during commercial breaks, I've had one eye on them. And one of the uh, the shows, I believe it's Get Up, Carrie, had an interesting question that was posed. And I wrote it down because I wanted to give it to you as my take it or leave it. Okay. Take it or leave it. For the next five years, you would rather have Tua as your starting quarterback than Justin Fields. Oh, uh, that's a difficult one. Isn't that? Because there because, are so many factors associated yep. with that. Totally. If, if, like, imagine I, what Justin Fields would look like if he was it, with those that's weapons. My, that's my question. With, am I taking Waddle and Tyreek? Yes. Am I just taking the player without anything around them? Because if I'm just taking the player, I'm going to take Justin Fields and hope that they surround him with people that can help him do uh, a better job. If I if I'm taking it as it stands right mm-hmm. now, it's gonna be it's gonna be Tua. Even. But, but, even though Tua has, oh, you were saying though, just from a talent standpoint, talent standpoint is Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. Yeah, but even though Tua has proven that he, when he's healthy and on this team, at least this year, that he can be the guy. I mean, they're five and zero when when Tua's healthy. He's he's putting up amazing numbers. I I, I just wonder if Justin Fields was in that position if we would be trying to discount him a little bit like the way that we are to a I think if if you give if you were to swap teams and put Justin Fields on on the Dolphins and put Tua on the Bears the Bears would be worse than they are right now and the <laughs> Dolphins would be as good or even better than they are right now so I I think it's Justin Fields just based off of pure talent and ability um, I mean, they were trying to get rid of Tua. They were trying to get Tom Brady. They were trying to get <laughs> and Deshaun and Deshaun Watson. They were trying and and yeah, they were trying to find someone to replace him. And they said, you know what, the heck with it. We'll just bring some receivers in and maybe he'll play better. I'm with you. At the end, at the end of the day, I think I'd go Justin Fields too. Yeah. All right, take it or leave it. The Blues bounce back and nobody gets traded. I'm gonna leave that. They Ooh. haven't given me any signs that that the bounce back is around the corner. I'm a, I'm gonna leave it as well because I I live I live in the real world. <laughs> I haven't seen anything that tells me that they're ready to bounce back. I mean, the first period was promising yesterday, but there there are two other periods after that. So, yeah, yeah a lot of blues negativity here. That's the only positive one. So I thought I'd start with it. Take it earlier. Okay, yeah, pretty good. But then the second and third periods also yeah. exist. Those, those matter. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Blues do not fix their issues. They trade off Tarasenko, and they have a top 10 pick in the draft. 
I I I don't I don't want to trade anyone. I don't want to I don't want to send someone packing. Me personally, I so I'm gonna leave it just because of the 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 former player in me wants to leave it. Uh, but someone is it, there's gonna be some movement somewhere, and and it's just the nature of the business. It's not personal. It is just business when you're not playing well, you're not performing well, and you would think that that those two who are on contracts that will not be, you know, don't have new contracts going into next year. Maybe if you're not playing well, you're looking at trying to trade them to get something in return. So, Well, from a logistics standpoint, you only have so many attractive assets that are going to be unrestricted free agents that you could even move, really, right? Like, Vladdy's on that list. I think I think Ryan O'Reilly is, too. I, I think in JR's piece, he said it was Barbashev, O'Reilly, and Tarasenko. Um, if I have it correct. And let, let's just say it's those three. You're not moving your captain, right? Uh, right. And maybe, I think, maybe I, are well, you? Well, who, who's, who's then the leader of the team? I'll ask you that. That's a very good question. I think Is it Braden <laughs> Chen? I mean, Braden Chen's leader, but is he your captain? It's a very good question. You know <laughs> I think, and, and I think that 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 the re, the the fact that you don't have an answer to that question is why they've lost six in a row. Like if you don't if you don't know who if you know the one person who has a C on their chest and the other ones you don't know who else is a leader just because you don't just because you're not labeled the captain doesn't mean you can't be a leader. And so sure. in order to be a, a leader, you have to you have to a show it every single day in practice at the games and show people that why why they need to follow you. And if you're not doing that in either <laughs> facets in, in practice or in the game, you, you you cannot be considered a leader of a team. Well, and, and that leads me next to Vladdy. And I know he had a, a strong season last year after all of the, the preceding offseason drama saying that he wanted to leave. And I think a lot of people were wondering what his future would be in St. Louis after, you know, he had the season that he had last year. Um uh, 82 points, I believe, last year. And a lot of people were thinking, this is the time to sell on Vladimir Tarasenko, but the Blues retained him. They they said, you're going to be a part of the future moving forward. We think you're we're better off with you here. And I would just be really surprised if that thought process would change with him based on you know a little over 10% of the season under your belt. Yeah, I, I, they... <laughs> It's still early is what they're telling me. So we'll, we'll go with that. But hopefully, you know, we get a little bit of better play for an, for an entire game as opposed to just one or two periods next time out. Take it or leave it. If the Blues lose to Boston on Monday, the panic bus is going at full speed. Oh, I'm going to leave it because I think the panic bus is already full. <laughs> yeah. I think it's standing room only on the panic uh, yeah. bus. Yeah, I think that bus is, has already been started up and, and is rolling. <laughs> Down Market Street, as I said, it's, 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 it's just hovering. It's not going really fast, but it's it's picking well, up passengers. I don't know if it's full yet, Michelle. Okay. But I, I do, but it's it's loading up. <laughs> well, you know, you guys have access to the text line, and I don't. Well, actually, I want people to send in mic drops and texts. You tell me, are you on the panic bus already? Are you, are you at that point in the season, or excuse me, at the point with this team, despite where they're at in the season, where you're already on the panic bus? I want to know. Take it or leave it. Kyra needs to be sad for an extended amount of time like DP57 was when Chief took over back in 2019. Hmm. I, for me, and, and this is just, it's the, it's the business of sports. 
You don't sit people that you pay money to. And and it's just, it, it, it is what it should, is. Sometimes you should, though. Sometimes you should, but you generally don't. Like, could you imagine... Dak Prescott not playing well in the in the Cowboys. I I know Jerry Jones said that. Jerry Jones is 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 full of you know what. He was never going to sit sit Dak Dak Prescott no matter how well Cooper Rush played. Could you imagine paying someone X amount of dollars, even if they you would cut someone before you sit them because it, it, there's no point in having them on the roster. Even with Ezekiel Elliott, he's he's you know there's there's conversations of is Tony Pollard the starting running back now or should he be? Mm-hmm. Zeke is making too much money to sit on the bench. He's not going to. It's not going to happen. So when you get paid a lot of money, you don't sit down. That's that's part of the, the nature of the business. It, it, it's, it's an ugly yeah. part because I've been on the opposite end of it where I've had guys that I knew I was better than, but they were getting paid. Yeah. And you don't get to play even though you're better. It just is what it is. It's, it's, it's an unfortunate part of it, but that's how it goes. Yeah, I, I mean, we've seen that a lot, especially in St. Louis. I mean, Matt Carpenter making a lot of money. Even when he was struggling, he, he would still go, get the call sometimes. But uh, I think for me, Carrie, it's less about the contract and more about the player. And I think this this younger generation of players is, it's not a one-size-fit-all in the way that you manage them or coach them. It's it's very individualized. And for some players, they need a kick in the rear end. Some players will respond positively to getting benched or getting checked in a way. But some players need positive reinforcement. They, they, need, they need that encouragement. They need you to stick it out with them. And I don't know if Jordan Cairo is the former or the latter, but I just would be very careful with a, a young player from a mental standpoint and a confidence standpoint in doing that. I, I would need to make sure that you you have a pretty good grasp on the fact that he would respond well to that before you would do it because that's the last thing you want to do is further mess up the head of a long-term investment that you have. <laughs> we, got a, we got a few answers to your question. It says, uh, from the 618, Chief is driving the bus uh, from the 314. <laughs> I army agree. riding shotgun. <laughs> he might be. I agree with Gary Davis. The panic bus is filling up fast. <laughs> and another one from the 314 says, not quite on the bus, but I'm at the panic bus stop. I'm at the panic uh, bus stop. I'm waiting so, for the bus to show up to my to my neighborhood. I'm there. Uh, First of all, shout out to Gary Davis. Shout out to Gary Davis, fa- Kelly Davis, favorite, my oh, Casey Davis, all of those guys. They're great individuals. Okay, so we've got <laughs> Baruby driving the panic bus, Army's riding shotgun, and many St. Louis Blues fans have purchased the ticket and they're waiting to be picked up. Just waiting stop. to be picked up. Couple okay, more losses, they'll be on there. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Gary. Hey, uh, the Blues might suck. We'll we'll talk about what needs to happen, what takes place when we return on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Okay, folks, I need you to move on back, on back. Come on, everybody find a seat. Uh, Those of you who didn't get on this time, there are several more right behind this bus. Uh, We've got uh, 
all the panic buses rolling this morning. And uh, before 10 o'clock, we'll have everybody on and, and moving on out. Um, let's have a great day, folks. <laughs> that is John, our panic bus <laughs> conductor. He has got everybody getting on, getting seated, and we are getting rolling. I, I, I guess the panic buses are, are filling up fast here in St. Louis, Michelle. It sounds like it. John was, it sounds like John was uh, maneuvering a pretty big crowd. Carrie, it sounded trying like it. To get on yeah, the it's a big, bus. big bus. And I will say, shout out to John because he was a great conductor. He was firm but polite. Indeed. Uh, you know, you have to have a certain demeanor to. Uh, deal with people trying to board on mass transit, and I think John's the man for the job. It it, it sounds like it sounds like um, there are plenty of people uh, waiting on this bus, getting on the bus, and, and yeah. ready to roll around St. Louis because there is a uh, 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 an immense amount of panic going on with how the Blues are playing. They are losers of six straight, and it just hasn't looked good, Michelle. It's not it's not something that you can say there are, are a few things, maybe a few things here or there that you will want to tweak. Um, it it feels like. It's a lot of things that need to be tweaked, and and I don't know where you start, um, but I know it has to start somewhere, and it, and it has to get started pretty quickly. Yeah, and during this stretch, carry they're they've been outscored thirty to eleven, and, and they're just they're not finding the back of the net. They're they're trying to generate those chances. You have the president of hockey operations uh, pretty pointed in his commentary to the media uh, slash fans and to the team. You have the owner showing up at practice. And then you come out last night, you have a little bit of a of a pulse in the first period. I thought when, when Tori Krug had that great setup for Vladdy Tarasenko and he fired it in there, I was like, okay, here we go. This is, well, there you go, 9-1. This is how you turn yeah. things around. This is, this is exactly what you need is one of your best players to step up and set the tone. And then the second period happened, Kerry. <laughs> and the Islanders scored four goals. And, and if, these... only, if only we could have cut the game off after that. It, 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 it yes, been exactly. Good. If only there was only one period. But the malaise of the second period for the Blues has been so brutal so far this season. They've been outscored 18-6 to in the second period so far this season. And in a lot of the games during this tough stretch for the Blues. They haven't been on the board first. They've been playing from behind, so it's yeah. not as if the second period is just the only issue, but it's certainly been one of the main sticking points for them. It's coming that second period. Curtis had a mic drop for us. He has some thoughts on the Blues struggles. I, this was the first Blues game I actually had time to sit down and watch, but this was a game that, to me, stands apart. This is what happens when you're losing. Nothing. It was just nothing could go right. They, they get the goal that gets called back on what I think was a BS goalie interference. So you should have went for, you should have had a goal on a power play. That could turn the game around. You lose that. You come off the you come off the penalty. Should have had a breakaway. The pass doesn't go through. The other one, I think it was Preco got in the way, basically trying to they're just stressing. It was fluky goals. I didn't see a lack of effort. They came out great. It, this was just another one of those when you're losing, nothing can go right no matter what you do. I I don't beat the team up for this one. Yes, you lost. You can't afford to lose more games like this. But this is just an example of when everything's going wrong, everything goes wrong. It it is it is <laughs> it is mind-boggling trying to figure out yeah. where to start. I, I I you have so many things and and as I said, as a player, this is the thing. <laughs> I've sat in those locker rooms of teams that stink. Like I, my, I, I, I have. I sat in an Illinois locker room my senior year. We were one in ten, maybe one in eleven, 
and and days. and it was it was one of the worst times of my life. And you're looking around. It got to the point where we would practice. Saturday we would play. Sunday we would we would uh, meet and then have a lift and, and watch film. It got to the point where around the sixth or seventh game, Coach Turner was like, "Hey, just just go home, fellas. Like it, it, there is nothing <laughs> we're going to gain from watching this. We are we we suck. We're not good. Like I don't know I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do. We don't have the people here that can get it done. It, I've been in those locker rooms." And when you're there, you're just scrapping and clawing, trying to find a way to win. And and at some point, it's going to have to take a, a a big hit, a big goal, just an opportunity where you just stack a couple of good things back to back to back as opposed to having bad things happen back to back to back. Yeah, that, that goalie interference no goal was yeah. a real kick in the gut because that could have been a, a momentum shifter. Yep. But – just like we keep saying, you can't keep leaning on, well, you know, David Perron was such a huge part of this team and he's not here and, and they're trying to find their way. You can't let things like that over, overcome you. That That is what losing hockey is about, is when you let things like that get to you and, and shift everything. You know, I yes, the compete level was better last night, but there were still, you know, bad bad turnovers. That You know, that, Rob, that Robert Thomas turnover, um, that turn into a two-on-one like that can't happen you know and he knows that he addressed it after the game but it's it's just not one thing that you can isolate and say well if they just clean x up yep. then i think they're going to be in a better spot that's michelle i'm carrier clarkson jewelers time check is 8 14 coming up next we have blues play-by-play analyst joey vitale joining us we'll get his thoughts on what the blues need to do that's next on the opening drive you're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. It's, it's just a, a group that's always took a pride, took a lot of pride in, in just being consistent and winning games. And, um, you know, it's not a group that wants moral victories. This is, it's a winning business. Um, you know, we have high expectations as a group and we're not meeting them right now. And to a man, no one's, you know, feeling like for, sorry for ourselves. It's not a time to get frustrated or um, come unglued as a group. It's just, you know, you just keep fortune on, you have no choice. That was Robert Bertuzzo talking about the state of the blues right now. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and have our great friend, blues color analyst, Joey Vitelli joining us. Joey V, how are you doing this morning? Hey, Carrie, I'm doing awesome, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Michelle Smallman, Smallman is joining us from New York. She's in today filling in for Randy. Oh, look who it is. <laughs> Michelle, you missed me, huh? I did, Joey. I was like, I got to be on Friday so I could talk to my man, Joey V. How you been? Good, Michelle. How are you? How's the big How's the big apple? How's, how's New York? It's good, Joey. Uh, as you know, uh, foodie's paradise out here. So I've been eating a lot. You would appreciate all the good meals I've been having. Oh, my God. I can't even I can't even fathom. Please do me a favor. In the next couple of weeks, and you got to report back to me, Dominic Ansel, he does that cronut. Over yes. there in, in Greenwich Village. Have you tried that yet? 
I have not, Joy, because every time I walk, I have a rule. I don't wait in line because I, I just am like, there's so many amazing things out there that why would I waste my time waiting in line? I could just try something else. Every time I walk by there, there is a line that's around the block. So I refuse to yeah. wait in it. So I, I'm just going to have to find a, a time to go super early and beat the crowd. It is worth the wait. I spent 35 minutes in line. It's uh, it's obviously <laughs> the 27-layer donut, and he's yeah. the one that kind of – he put the copyright on it. So anyone who does like a croissant donut hybrid in the in the world now, they have to call it like a layered donut or a croissant donut. They can't call it a cronut because he kind of got the copyright to that name. But it is definitely worth the wait. I, I definitely see okay. that. And then there's, there's also another place called Bavon Bakery, which they have the best – I'm telling you, the best chocolate chip cookies. In the world, I would walk 15 hours to get one of these chocolate chip cookies. Oh, wait, what is it called? I'm writing it down, Joey. Levon, L E V A I N. Oh, I've had it. You've had They're it. To how, die. Is, how, how, to awesome. Die. how awesome? Um, it is the single best cookie I've ever had. And I, I don't think you can properly describe how good it is until you have it. It's like the size of your, your fist. And yes. it's crisp on the outside and very gooey on the inside and very thick. It's amazing. So the ladies who started that cookie, they were actually ultra marathon runners and they were running and doing the, the triathlons and all the swimming and running and biking carry. And then eventually they, they, they were burning so many calories. I mean, Carrie, you, you could attest to this probably during training sessions. They burn in so many calories that they needed something with like loads of calories. So these two girls who were just training together made these cookies on the side. And they, like you said, Michelle, they made them like the size of their fist simply to uh, incorporate more calories into their diet so they can kind of, you know, have the energy to keep moving forward. So what they did was they made them literally the size of a baseball and they just baked them. And when you make them that big in the size of a baseball, especially when you freeze them or you put them in the refrigerator, what happens? The outside gets really crispy. And as you bite into this cookie, it is like, it is like cookie dough on the inside. So it's this most amazing balance. And like, like I said, I would walk 13 blocks and wait in line for three hours to get one of those right now. <laughs> okay, Joey, so maybe I should just pack some up and send them to the blues because I feel like those cookies could cure any ailment. Do you think that they could cure what's ailing the blues right now? Oh, man, listen, it would make us happier for a short term. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, like any good food, right? I mean, it's all about, you know, the temptation and the desire of the short term future. But, you know, I think that I think it could do them some good. Uh, maybe the moms will have a, a trick up their sleeves, you know, so mom trips coming up. <laughs> Yeah. After this coming, after this Boston Philadelphia back to back, then they come home for one. Then they head out to Vegas, Colorado, Chicago for uh, the annual mom's gift. And, and it's funny whenever these players go on the road, and whether it be Calgary and maybe Braden Chen runs into a family, or you know Ryan O'Reilly as they go to Toronto, whatever it is. It's funny how these players always come on the plane after the games and they have a big basket of cookies. And usually it's the moms that make these cookies, and they're always the best. But, you know, mom strips coming up, you know, the cookies and whatever it may be, something needs a shift for the St. Louis Blues team without question, without a doubt. It's been a, it's been a tough six-game stretch for this team, a team that started out, you know, so great with the three wins. Uh, everything is looking great, and they just have slid and slid in a hurry. You know, and I think that, you know, we talked about in the post-post game last night with Chris Gerber and, and Alex Ferrari. It, it's still a team to me in transition, uh, Michelle and Kerry, as you guys can see, a team that you have Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko and Ivan Barbashev, three core pieces of your team, all UFAs at the end of the season. You have to you have to wonder if, you know, Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong are just, they're trying to see what they have with the younger guys in the future, with the Thomases and the Kairos, uh, the Torpchenkos and, and, and company. So, with that being said, 
you know, the struggles, I guess they shouldn't be all that surprising when you have new guys taking on new roles, like Robert Thomas taking the majority of the faceoffs. He's the one playing 21 minutes while Ryan O'Reilly's playing the 16-17. So those roles has flipped. You know, you almost wonder, you know, at some point, does Craig Berube pivot away from using the new guys so much? Because once you keep falling into this hole, maybe it's too big where you can't claw out of it. Uh, but at the same time, you have to give these young guys uh, the reins and the freedom uh, to go out there and be creative and, and take this extra ice time because they are essentially the future. So he's in a tough spot. I, I can really feel for Craig Berube as he knows he has to use these young guys in a much higher capacity. But at the same time, when you get away from using your veterans as much, like the O'Reilly's and Shens and Tarasenko's, um, you find yourself losing some games, which is a tough spot to be in. Hey, Joey, we heard Robert Bertuzzo when we came back in. Um, I, I've been in those locker rooms where teams, where my team is struggling. I'm sure you have. What is that locker room like, and, and what are the thoughts amongst the guys when you're just struggling trying to find wins? It's a really tough feeling, Kerry. And, you know, it's, it's like running in quicksand, right? Because the harder you work, the harder you fall. I mean, and right now, you look at this Blues team, and I know I'm not just trying to be optimistic about it, there are some good things I'm seeing, and the problems that we're seeing are correctable problems. And quite frankly, it's just been a weird bounce here and there. I mean, look, a puck goes off Nick Letty's shin pad in the L.A. game. Back door. I mean, that happens. It's an accident, right? Uh, Nick Letty last night, a puck goes off his skate after a great second chance by Josh Bailey behind the net. I mean, weird bounces like that. My point is, uh, the plays are being made. In some weird way, the Blues have just gotten really, really poor luck over a long stretch of time. You know, you can go back to that last night. I believe it was Nelson who ended up scoring on the back door. Back door but the New York Islanders had a 5-on-3 power play. Nico Mikula comes out of the penalty box. Ryan O'Reilly's got the puck on his stick. He sees Mikula for a breakaway. He makes the pass. Everything looks perfect. Right, and then all of a sudden, Dobson you know steps in front of the pass. He intercepts it, and Big Bang Bonus, it's in the back of your net. So again, the intentions are there. Uh, it's just a matter of an inch here, an inch there, a bounce there, off a skate, whatever it is. Uh, there has been some uh, not so great luck uh, looking at this Blues team lately. And with that being said, to me, that's correctable, and that's just a matter of wavelength and how that bad luck can turn to good luck uh, very soon. This was a Blues team last year. I mean, you guys remember it. Uh, they could do no wrong. They would play a terrible 40 minutes, and at the end of the game, they'd have a good 10-minute stretch in the third period, and they ended up winning overtime. That's just how the bounces went last year for long stretches of the season. Now, right now, it's kind of the opposite. It seems like they're trying to, they're trying to do the right things. They're having a good first period like they did last night. But then as soon as the second period comes, maybe one bounce goes into two and two and three, and all of a sudden they find themselves in a hole by these unfortunate bounces and unfortunate luck at times. So you hope that that luck can change at some point. I will say one thing. I mentioned it last night. It was the father's trip back in 2019 that sparked the 11-game win streak that ultimately uh, got him in a playoff spot and then ultimately won a Stanley Cup. So I think that hopefully with this mom's trip coming up next week as they go to Colorado and Chicago, maybe that's just what the doctor ordered. I like that thought process, Joey. Okay, well, what are some of the things that you've seen from this team that you like that you want them to exploit more of in the game versus the Bruins? Well, the Bruins are going to be it's going to be a tough matchup. Obviously, they're the hottest team in the NHL right now, and, and under Jim Montgomery, the former assistant coach there for St. Louis, and, and it's, it's awesome to see Jim doing having so much success in Boston, even with some of their top guys uh, being out. I think you know the biggest thing that the Blues can do um, for themselves is is have more sustained offensive zone time. That's, to me, where this team is, is really struggling as far as producing and finding pulling pucks out of their own net. You know, this was a team for so long, Michelle, as you remember under Craig Berube, this was a team that really prided themselves on spending time in the offensive zone. In fact, you go back to that game last night, 
even before Tarasenko scored, I think it was the third or fourth shift of the game, the fourth line was grinding away in the offensive zone. And then one by one, you saw uh, Torpchenko get off. And then Pitlick went off. And then on comes Tarasenko. And then on comes uh, Robert Thomas. And before you know it, they end up drawing a penalty. And then, of course, Tarasenko scores just moments later. But the crowd was on their feet because they saw offensive zone time sustained more than just 20, 30 seconds. I'm looking at a team right now that is so spread out and, and, is, and is so individually talented. But with that, th- there seems to be a lack of heaviness on pucks and corners. You know, there was a play last night where Jordan Cairo, he, he was in the offensive zone, and it was Matthew Barzal who just came up, picks his pocket, and boom, they're out of the zone. There was another one uh, when Robert Thomas in the third period where he's behind the net, and he just gets stripped with no one around him. And there's two bodies on him. It's a tough play for Thomas, right? I mean, there's two guys outnumbering the one but there's no one around them to help that support. When this Blues team's at their best, they have two guys on the puck and that third guy's tight in support. It's more like a swarm offense. You saw it so well last year with O'Reilly and Perron, and now it just seems to be everyone is just so spread out and they're getting outnumbered in the offensive zone, and it's so one and done. They get to the offensive zone, 10 seconds later, they're out of the offensive zone. So it kind of becomes this track meet where they go back and forth, back and forth. So instead of the, you know, the Tarasenko's and the Buchnevich's and the Thomas spending time there and finding the creativity in the back of the net, they're constantly in the neutral zone. They're constantly trying to break it out of their own zone. So a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted energy, and to me it's very correctable in the sense if they can just make a couple tweaks in the offensive zone, have closer support, have tighter support, and then within that support you hold on to the puck and don't throw it away. And as you build upon that offensive zone time, you start wearing your opponent down and hopefully get the right changes you need and then start burying some pucks in the back of the net. So as, as, as bad as it's been and as much of bad luck we've seen, this thing can turn in a hurry the other way too. And it starts with one goal, turns into one period, one period into one game. And what better opportunity for them, like you mentioned, they're going up against the hottest team in the National Hockey League in their building in the Boston Bruins to turn this thing around. Hey, Joey, last question for me. Uh, Monday was Halloween, so there are a lot of ghouls and goblins, a lot of scary things going on. There was something that happened to you on Monday that, that seemed to scare you. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, no, I don't want to talk about it, Terry. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just getting over it. Just getting over it. Yeah, apparently, uh, listen, I'm going to find out who did it. I'm going to find out who did it. But uh, I have a thing with bugs. Any, any, any exoskeleton little creatures freak me out. Whenever you can step on something, it makes a crunch. Not, not a fan. So, uh, Curbs knows this. Alex knows this. I had a little run-in with the praying mantis on a Columbus Blue Jackets flight earlier in the preseason. It came flying at me. This live thing was literally made eyes at me. I'm pretty sure it said, let's get it on. And I, of course, I mentioned in the, in the BK and Ferrario show the other day, but as this thing was flying at me on the plane, I kind of used Danita, who's my, my co-host on the Jumbotron now. I threw her in front of it because, you know, obviously nothing can happen to the bread man. I'm, I'm irreplaceable, like I said. And, of course, you know, everyone gave me trouble for it. And Jordan Bennington, even after the flight, who says nothing ever, he's so quiet. He comes up to me, and goes, "Nice, Joe, real nice." And I was like, "Oh man, you're gonna give me, you're gonna give me the the gears now too." So that started the whole fear of bugs. Everyone, why well, the fear of bugs started when I was a young age, but now everyone's aware of it. And someone in the booth uh, found a four inch remote control cricket, stuck it under my iPad fan. And right in the middle of the call, there may have been an F-bomb or an S-bomb thrown around during the broadcast. But all in good fun. But don't you worry. I'm going to find him, Carrie. I'm going to get him. Hey, I might, I might need your help, Carrie. <laughs> I got you. I, I will definitely help you out. And, and we'll find the culprit and we'll take care of it. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, Michelle. Hey, great hearing from you again, Carrie and Michelle. Uh, great hearing your voice as well. you got to give me the rundown on your favorites in New York. We're going there in December. And I'll be looking for some hot spots.
Oh, I will. I will uh, try to go to the game, Joey. But I'll have a whole list for you of places that you need to go. Sounds good. You two have a great day. Thanks, Joey. Talk to you next week. All right. Bye bye. That was Joey Vitelli, the color analyst for the St. Louis Blues. Coming up next, we still need a fighter. Get your text in to 65780. The fight is next on the opening drive. If it was Graham Skill, it's your <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the for the fight on the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. But before we get to the fight, we need your help. Next segment, we are debuting a new feature called Sports Jail. If you were listening earlier in the week, Carrie Davis was talking about how in the real world, repeat offenders go to jail, and in the sports world, repeat offenders get fired. And since we don't want to fire anybody, we figured we would meld the two together, and we're going to put some people in sports jail. So if there's someone in the sports world that has upset you, maybe they mess up your fantasy football team. Maybe it's somebody on the Blues that you would like to see step up. Maybe it's somebody in the World Series that has been bothering you. Or just someone who flat out annoys you in the sports world. Text us on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 and let us know who you want to put in sports jail. That's coming up next, so stay tuned for that. But it is time for the fight here on the opening drive. Kerry Davis is filling in for Megamind, and he is two for two on the week. So not only does he have a chance to come out on top and his stint sitting in Randy's chair today he also really wants to win so that Randy doesn't come back on Monday at a deficit nobody wants to have that conversation with Megamind it's very stressful filling in for Randy but Merle is with us on 101 ESPN and he's going to try to put Rand- or to put Carrie in a tough spot today good morning Merle how you doing doing today I'm doing so well thank you for asking are you ready to take on Carrie in the fight yes I am uh, Merle, what is your favorite sport, or what do you think you have the best grasp on from a sports trivia perspective? NHL, hockey. Oh, okay. Well, you'll be pleased to know that you've got three football questions and a baseball question. All right. <laughs> so good luck to you, bud. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Who is the last non-quarterback to win MVP in the NFL? Is that J.J. Watt, Calvin Johnson, or Adrian Peterson? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with Adrian Peterson. Happy birthday to Devin Hester. You know him well, Rams fans, uh, and many times that he scampered into the end zone in, in the Dome. Hester is the all-time TD return leader in NFL history with 20 total. Who is second on that list with just 13? Is that Desmond Howard, Dante Hall, or Brian Mitchell? Desmond Howard. Question number three. Orlando Pace is the only offensive lineman to land in the top five of the Heisman Trophy voting since 1983. Who won the Heisman over Orlando Pace in his junior year at Ohio State back in 1996? Was that Eddie George, Jake Plummer, or Danny Warfel? Eddie George. 
And number four, on this day in 1980, Steve Carlton won his third of his four Cy Youngs after leaving the Cardinals. What pitcher was Carlton traded for following the 1971 season? Was that Reggie Cleveland, Rick Wise, or Don Durham? Rick Wise. We are checking the score to confirm how Merle did. Now, Merle, you shared that you were a hockey guy, and we gave you zero yeah. hockey questions. <laughs> so yeah. our, our bad. Or I guess unlucky for you that the day you get in on the fight, it's not in your wheelhouse. But how do you right. feel after taking the fight? Uh, not so good. <laughs> I know it's a tough one. It was a tough one today. Matt's in his bag with these questions, I got to say. As somebody who used to have to put together the... Uh... Oh, actually, hang on. We are... Confirming the fight. As somebody who used to have to put together these questions, it's harder than you might think. Because you're trying to stump Carrie and or Megamind and and make it easy enough that somebody potentially driving to work could get it right. It's a it's a tough line to walk. But Carrie has come back into studio. He's getting settled. He's getting his headset on. Carrie, please say good morning to Merle. Good morning, Merle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I am feeling good. The the arch was playing Eye of the Tiger. I'm ready to roll. I, I was in there getting my Rocky on. I'm <laughs> it's, it's time. Were you running up the stairs oh, or what? I, I, I was putting my I was ready to put my hood on and getting ready to roll. So um do you do you feel like they did that purposely I think, to psych you, know, you up? I think they knew that it was time when I walked out into the hall, they hit the button to play the song and, and just really get me revved up for this Friday Friday morning. Say Friday afternoon. I don't even know what time it is, Michelle. I'm, that's how how locked in I am. It doesn't matter what time of day it, it is. You're ready to go. I'm right? ready to roll. Um, well, Carrie, you don't need a reminder, but I'm going to give it to you. You've gone two and two on the week. I have. So you have an opportunity not only to come out on top, but to uh, not have your co-host come in with a chip on his shoulder yeah. on Monday because you don't want Randy to have to come in at a deficit. I don't want him to have to clean up my mess. That's right. And, and that's really my my goal every time I do this. Make sure Randy doesn't have to clean up any mess that I leave. Yeah, you don't want that. You I don't. don't, want that. I don't. All right, CD, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Question number one for Kerry Davis. Who is the last non-quarterback to win MVP in the NFL? Was it J.J. Watt, Calvin Johnson, or Adrian Peterson? Uh, I'm going to go with Adrian Peterson. I want to say it was the year he the year he came back from tearing his ACL. He rushed for an, uh, 17, 800, 1800, somewhere around there. It was a lot. And I want to say it's Adrian Peterson. All right, number two, happy birthday to Devin Hester. Rams fans know him well. He is the all-time TD return leader in NFL history at 20 total. Who is second on that list with just 13? Desmond Hall, Desmond Howard, Dante Hall, or Brian Mitchell? Brian Mitchell. Carrie says with a lot of confidence behind yeah. that answer. Orlando Pace is the only offensive lineman to land in the top five of the Heisman Trophy voting since 1983. Who won the Heisman over Orlando Pace in his junior year at Ohio State back in 1996? Was it Eddie George, Jake Plummer, or Danny Warfel? Um, well, Eddie George didn't, was his teammate, and so he didn't, I don't believe it was Eddie. 96? 96. Is that the year that the Florida Gators won a national championship with Redell Anthony and, oh, what's the other guy's name? Another great receiver that they had, Jacquez something. Uh, I'm going to go with Danny Werfel. 
All right, and number four, on this day in 1980, Steve Carlton won his third of four Cy Youngs after leaving the Cardinals. What pitcher was Carlton traded for following the 1971 season? Was that Reggie Cleveland, Rick Wise, or Don Durham? You know, 71 was a great year for me. I was uh, not born yet, so (laughs) this is completely a guess. (laughs) Uh, Give me the options again. The apple of your parents' eye. (laughs) Reggie Cleveland. Rick Wise or Don Durham? Oh, good grief. <laughs> good grief. <laughs> Let's go Don right, Charlie Brown. Durham. <laughs> okay. The fight is complete. Did Merle upset Carrie Davis? Is Randy going to be in a bad mood when he comes in on Monday because Carrie <sighs> fumbled the ball? Uh, mm. Or did CD... Do his job. Matt Rocchio, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. <laughs> oh, Merle, I was pulling for you because I love nothing more than the chaos. Of, uh, and you know what? I could just drop the mic and be like, I had a great week hanging out. Bye. Enjoy yourself on Monday. Enjoy Monday. <laughs> but Merle, you were so close, but Carrie edged you out three to two. Let's run over our answers here. So the last non-quarterback to win MVP in the NFL is Adrian Peterson. He did it back in 2012. It's Devin Hester's birthday. Shout out to him. He's the all-time touchdown return leader in NFL history. 20 total. Second on that list is Brian Mitchell. Brian Mitchell's second on the list. Orlando Pace is the only offensive lineman to land in the top five of the Heisman Trophy voting since 1983. In 1996, the person that won the Heisman over Orlando Pace in his junior year was Danny Warfel. So CD got all three of the football questions correct, which led us to question number four. On this day in 1980, Steve Carlton won his third of four Cy Youngs after leaving the Cardinals. The pitcher that Carlton was traded for following the 1971 season was Rick Wise. That was Rick Wise. So, Merle, even though you didn't win, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, and we hope you have an awesome weekend. You guys, too. Thank you. Good job, Merle. Um, yeah, I'm 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 happy that that this is over and I can turn it back <laughs> over to Randy now cuz the job. amount of stress. <laughs> I know. But Carrie, you got you you won 3 out of 5. You did I, a very good job. Proud I of you. I did. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was it was a tough task, but I was able to get it done. Coming up next, I think we talked about it a little bit sports jail. Get your texts in to tell us who deserves to be in and for how long. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. In the real world, repeat offenders go to jail. All right, I'm putting cases on all you. You shout like that, they they put you in jail right away. No trial, no, no nothing. You're stealing right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. In the sports world, repeat offenders just get fired. Yeah! Well, we're in the real world, and on this show, we play by our rules. One, two, three, four, five. It's time for Sports Jail. It is time for Sports Jail. Get your texts into the 65780. Tell us who needs to be in jail and why. Uh, Michelle, I'm going to start off, and mine is close to my heart. Okay. It is going to be Matt Canada, offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are terrible at this moment. 
he needs to be thrown in jail for for a period of the rest of the season, and then they find a new offensive coordinator. I don't need to see him anymore. I, there's a clip where I believe you can hear Chris Boswell, the kicker, saying after the game, Matt Canada is telling everybody, good job, good job. And I believe that Chris Boswell is saying, yeah, not, no thanks to you. So there <laughs> are some real-life issues. I don't know. That's what they said. I, I heard it. Maybe it was him. Maybe it wasn't. But I'm going to start with Matt Canada uh, as my number one candidate for sports jail. Okay, I approve. What's the sentence here, Carrie? At just the end of the season. I, I, I don't okay. want to, you know, just to just to figure some things out and, and, and understand what he needs to do better. Maybe he can watch some football, watch some good football, and 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 figure out how to call an offense so that we can get some points on the board. Okay, I'm with you. He's going right to jail. Now, since in the open there, you heard that we get to make the rules and we play we by our own rules here on Sports Jail. Um, in addition to putting someone currently on the sports scene in sports jail, I retroactively, Carrie, would like to throw some people in sports jail. Okay, some people who have hurt us in the past. Sometimes a case can be open for a long time before you close it and yeah. sentencing happens, right? So uh, I think most of St. Louis will agree with me when I say Big Poppy's going to sports jail. Oh, Big Poppy ain't done nothing wrong to nobody. He, he murdered the Cardinals. Uh, he, he did do that. He did. <laughs> he did. He's going to he sports jail. He did indeed I'm do with that. Michelle, I'm with Michelle on this one. <laughs> he murdered the Cardinals. And, and also, Mike Matheny is going to sports jail Whoa. for continuously pitching to Whoa. Big Poppy. Yeah, I, I'm harboring it, okay? Allow it. Sports jail. Uh, but Mike Matheny, short sentence. He just needs to think about what he's done, maybe correct it moving forward. Big Poppy, lifetime sentence. I also want to throw Sean May in there for life. Lock oh, I'm with you on that Sean May gave Illinois the blues this is going this is now we're going back yeah. some years because this is this is something um that that took place it, it, it's still standing with us the statute of limitation has not passed up we are still in that yeah. period he can still be put in sports jail he we didn't have the evidence to convict we do now we I found it the it tapes. was a, it was a murder he, he the, killed us the academic scandals the <laughs> North Carolina basketball you're in Sean May you're in um, other people who are going to sports jail I will just run this off Travis Ishikawa you're going to sports yeah. jail <laughs> Brent Seabrook you're going to jail buddy I am locking you up okay um, also Duncan Keith wakey wakey you're going there too and finally I'm throwing Brad Marchand in sports jail just because I want to see him cry again <laughs> I want to see him cry at sentencing so he's going <laughs> he's going to jail uh, but in the current sports world Carrie I, I think it's pretty obvious that Kyrie Irving needs to go to sports jail no yeah. he, he is he is making you know sometimes pride gets in the way um, all you had to do was say I, you know I, I, that's not my thoughts I apologize for anyone that I hurt and it, it would have gone away he is a, he is very stubborn in, in his dealing with the media and, and how he just goes about his day-to-day business. I think sometimes, you know, pride comes before the fall. He is a very stubborn person and very prideful person, and this may cost him uh, some some money, you know, in future earnings going forward. Yeah, he, he could have easily just said, no, I do not have anti-Semitic beliefs. He, he didn't do that. He later issued an, an apology on social media for his post that he put up last week about a, a book and a movie that had anti-Semitic themes. Uh, the Nets have suspended him for at least five games yeah. without pay yesterday. But Carrie and I were throwing him in sports jail. Yeah. Just... It's always something with Kyrie, you know. It's it's just oh, and this this is in a com- a completely different stratosphere. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to lump all of it together, but it's it's constantly something with this guy. He's a repeat offender. He's in sports jail. He is. I, I have another one. Okay, go it, ahead. Is, it is one he because 
the sport that I love, I, I love this sport. I think it is a, a, a sport where, you know, you, you see two people competing against one another and they are giving their best. And usually the best man wins, sometimes via knockout, sometimes via, you know, the guy just doesn't have enough to continue to go in. And the referee says enough is enough. Jake Paul needs to go to prison, <laughs> sports prison. There's a difference wow. between jail and pr- prison, yeah. sports yeah. prison. I wow. am so tired of watching him beat up guys that, that, that he's he's fighting MMA fighters who, you know, they use their legs and they use submission holds and now he's boxing them and they're not able to do the things. Fight, fight Canelo. You want to fight somebody? Fight a fighter. Mm. Fight a fighter. And let's see if you are still able to have all of this this fun that you're having. I want I, uh, Jake Paul. You're in sports jail, buddy. That's where you go right now. Throw away the key until wow. further notice. I don't need to see him for a while. I am. He's ruining the sport that I love. Straight fighting to, people straight to jail. Straight to jail. Yeah, you're putting him in prison. Yeah, he, he got to go. Man, Maxim, we... Maximum security. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is a penitentiary. <laughs> penitentiary. <laughs> uh, can I, can I give you one more before we get to the text? Yes. Um, I'm putting the entire Philadelphia Phillies team in sports show. Oh. Only, for, only for a day, though, because they've got a game to play. You can't wear those sweet baby blue unis Ooh. and get worked and lose the game. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a close game. It was an exciting game. But when you wear that baby blue uniform, you got to win the game. That I, I love that uniform. I think it's so sweet. And it I hate that they lost wearing, yeah. wearing that baby blue. That's tough. Michelle, I will say I have one edit. I'm, I'm going to have to lengthen your uh, Matheny uh, time in there because oh. you mentioned Travis Ishikawa, and so Matheny's got to yeah. get like an extra. He's, it's got to get doubled up because of the Michael Walker move in the first place. So sure. I think we just got to double him up. But I mean, we are getting an unbelievable mo- amount of text right now on the text line. If you want to join in here on Sports Jail six five seven eight zero Air Comfort Service text line, Kroenke of course has to be the oh, first. Oh jail. yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, mean what? He, he, life sentence under the jail. <laughs> Not n- the no. key is no longer able to be found we, we don't even check on him here's the thing, if he guys. eats he eats if not he doesn't you know it's uh, <laughs> i didn't even consider cronky because we're we have a, a sports jail he's on alcatraz like i put him on <laughs> by an himself. island by himself he he his offenses are so heinous and so severe that he's on an on a strict maximum security island jail Never within a million years, I think I'd say this. Ryan O'Reilly needs a little sports jail until he can oh. score a goal. What? Whoa. I, I have a feeling there are going to be wow. a few blues on the sports jail list just until, you know, they get they, they get to, to their next game. Just sit down for a minute uh, and watch. Well, as Kerry said, Kyrou needs to be put in sports jail until he can figure it out. There's so, there much, potential, so much potential, but too many mistakes are being made. Yeah, just take some time in there. Uh, no commissary money. Just really sit in, in solitary confinement and think and about think. what you've done. Yeah, and just think. think about how you can correct your behavior. That's all. That's all we're asking. This texture here really got the 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 core of sports jail, which is just pettiness. <laughs> Jose Altuve should be in sports jail because no one that short put push, should push their pants above their <laughs> knees. He's right. He's absolutely 100% correct on that one. Do you not think that the pants above the knees make him look taller? I agree. It looks like the longer you got to Hey, listen, you have to do what you got to do to figure that he's lengthening himself by by pulling the pants up. His legs look a little longer. 
Yeah. This is like you re-scratching your neck, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just telling you. It's, it, it, you got to do what you got to do. Michelle, I don't I, know if you've ever heard, but Kerry told yeah. us that back when he was in the NFL, he, there actually was a special stretch that fullbacks would do because they actually do, from all the constant hitting, their neck actually does get a little bit compressed. Yeah. And so they would do a special stretch with <laughs> well, him to uncompress his neck. You sit in this machine, and it, it pulls, you lay down, and it pulls your neck away from the rest of from your shoulders and the rest of your body because you are so compressed from blocking people and and kind of like a turtle stuck in his his head into his shell you you do that so much that you had to stretch that and lengthen it yeah it's it's, it's real was it painful <laughs> nah it was fine yeah. not more painful than blocking linebackers you're going to emerge you probably emerge from that looking like a giraffe you went from a turtle to a giraffe Indeed. real quick. <laughs> we got a little bit of a personal one here. The amount of stress, it's so tough. Give us a break, CD. You get the choices. You get to take yeah. your time in the process of elimination, unlike the callers, and you continually get fed three football questions. Shameless. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I'm putting CD and Rock in sports jail. This I was. This was my first time having more than one football question. I, I do believe. I don't That's, think we've had. I think, yeah. I think there I'm, was a lot of baseball, a lot of hockey, and I... I Pulled my way through. I pulled myself yeah. up. Uh, I have a question. Is that Carrie Davis in sports jail or Gary Davis? <laughs> or, or Larry or Casey <laughs> or Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> you figure, you, that's the thing. You got to find the right person if you want to put me in jail, pal. There that's you right. go. Uh, Mo is on trial and his offseason signings will determine if he is sentenced to Ooh. sports jail or not. Ooh. Ooh. Now, is it a, a jury? Like, trial oh, by I, jury or is it is it, is it a judge? Is yeah, it just a judge? Jury? <laughs> I think that makes a difference. Ooh, yeah. Because if it's if it's a judge, I think he has a better chance. One person that will really look at the entire body of work. I think if it's a, it's a jury and you have a large number of BFIB members on said jury, I think he's in trouble. He might be. Is this just off of this year? It, or is it? I mean, next season or is this no, a, a lifelong? I think it's carry. carry. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people. I, this, Carrie, these are that questions that people credit. ask. I, I wanted to know. You wanted to know. I think Mo's done an exceptional job, um, but I know a lot of people, Some people don't. don't agree with there me. There you go. Um, Brandon Phillips and Mike Keenan, easy selections mm. for the sports jail. Oh, mm. Boo Phillips. Let's throw Niger Morgan in there as yeah, well. That's another good one. Um, who was the other one? Brandon Phillips and who was the other one? Uh, Mike Keenan. Oh, yes, of course. I'm surprised we haven't heard of Mike Keenan before this. No doubt. Guys, I got Russell Wilson and Kyrie in a cell. These guys are insufferable. Well, oh, listen, worst cell in history. When you <laughs> have, the oh, they probably, oh, that, that, no, you know what? I would love to. They need a podcast. Those no. two. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you imagine Russell Wilson doing high knees at all hours of the oh, night? Oh god. And doing finger stretches, making sure he's yeah. working out twenty four hours a day, making sure he's totally. good to go. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Gary. We'll revisit the Blues and Islanders, uh, and we'll figure out what we need to do to get some wins going going forward. That's next on the Open and Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brandy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Nobi John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. We may or may not win on Thursday. That Obviously, we're in the winning business. But what we need to see is, is a competitive level higher than we have now. And what we have to do is find a part of our game that we can build off of when things aren't going good. What we have to do now is, is, is put our, our stake in the ground that we want to get back and be, be in that uh, competitive nature. 
That was Army yesterday discussing the state of the Blues and what he needed to see. And, Michelle, did we see that on Thursday? They didn't obviously didn't get the win, but did they show enough energy? Did they show uh, themselves playing the game in the right way to put themselves in position to win? Well, I think you certainly saw a little bit more of that compete level, especially in the in the first period, Carrie. But I think there's there's definitely room for more. I I, I I don't know how anybody could walk away after that game and say, if you look at the complete game, that you think that you saw enough to make you feel confident and this team moving forward, especially when the next game that they have is versus the ten and one Boston Bruins. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's um, you know, I think the first period was what we were looking for, what we expected. They got off to a one zero lead, but the energy level, the 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 attention to detail seemed to be there in that first period, and then somehow, some way, the second period, it just kind of went back to what the, what we've seen throughout this losing streak, and and not really on the way that they needed to be on. And so I, I don't know, at this point, I don't know which Blues team they are. They they, they showed the ability, they, they've shown, as you spoke about it earlier, you go 3-0 and in those first three games, you've mm-hmm. shown the ability to to look like and be a very good, good hockey team. But then over this six-game losing streak, there are periods where they just aren't finding it, and they there's no cohesion, and they seem to be, you know, just out of sorts in different times. And I, I don't know... Which team they are, I, I would assume that they are more the team that they've been these last six games than who they were the first three games. But at somehow, some way, you have to figure out a way to be consistent, to do stick to the details of, of what you're being asked to do, and just play hard. The, 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 the simplest thing you can do as a professional player, as, as, as a player of any sport on any level, is play hard. Those are the things that you come to the gym, to the court, to the field, to the rink with, the, the ability to play hard. And if you do that more times than not you're going to find ways the the things happen to be and you become more successful somehow some way good things happen when you're playing hard um and i think the blues just need to get to that in order to be you know successful yeah and heading into this season with some of the the moves that were made in the off season i didn't know if the blues were going to be as good as they were last year i thought that they certainly were bringing enough personnel back and there was an, enough in place for them to be competitive and, and that we might see another playoff team. But I, I just kind of refuse to believe, Carrie, that this team is this bad or that it, or that this is what this team is going to be. We're a little over 10% into the season, and sometimes a, a team takes a, a beat to find themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I just... The more we see of them and the more we evaluate from them, they might not be as good as they were last year, but there's no way that they're going to be this bad for the entirety of the season. And if they continue on this stretch, and they are, then as Doug Armstrong said, that's something that he has to look at because he's the one that assembled this team. And and that's an interesting spot for him to be in, Kerry, too, because Doug Armstrong has had a few misses in his career tenure as yeah. the Blues GM and president of hockey operations. This is a guy we have the the slogan an army we trust mm-hmm. because he's been so deft at looking ahead and at, at building winning teams and keeping that championship and contention window open and if and, and not everybody can can maintain that forever as he also said some at some point you're going to have to retool or rebuild but I guess I would just be pretty shocked if this group is the group that started that movement. You know, Joey V said something earlier, and, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but he, he mentioned the younger guys and, and uh, their 
time on the ice may not be as much as, as it has been if they continue to play this way. I want to dig into that a little bit later. But coming up next, we have Over Under, Rock and I. And Michelle, you're going to help me pick my okay. Over and Under because I, I struggle, especially with college. You're going to help me pick some Over and Under. That's next on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Michelle Smallman. And it is time for Over Under. Rock and I are going to pick some games. Michelle's going to help me because I need all the help. Because you need the help, Kerry Davis. Do. That's why she's going to help you. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, don't I don't mind. I don't know how much help I'm going to provide, but I'll provide emotional support. That's good enough as well. <laughs> Kerry's over here tapping extra people in, and he won last week. So, okay, that, that, hey. seems, that seems completely fair. <laughs> Let's dive right back into it. We have a nine-game slate here on our over-under. Four games from the college football three games in the NFL we got a prop bet in each one of them as well let's dive right into it it's a big game in college football and the SEC it's Tennessee and Georgia two your top four college football playoff teams in the first ranking it's at Georgia your runner is 66 and a half yeah one versus three this is going to be a very good matchup um, Michelle and I, we were talking about it. We're going to go over because we think Tennessee's offense with Heupel and and Georgia is going to have to keep up with them. And I think Georgia wins, but I think it is going to be a shootout. That- uh, yeah, Carrie, we need to go over here because Tennessee throws up a lot of points, and yep. I do think that this is going to be a shootout. So I, I, I'm with you. Let's take the over. I'm with you guys on that one, absolutely. After watching the Alabama-Tennessee game from a few weeks ago, it's hard for me to really give these defenses more credit than what we've seen from the offenses. Yeah. I roll heavy with the offense as well. I'm going over on this one. Another SEC battle that could have playoff implications later on in the season, Alabama and LSU, always one of the best games of the year. 56-and-a-half is your over-under and it is in Death Valley this year. There is something. I, I want to do this. I want to go to a game at LSU, a night game. They have talked about how amazing it is. It is something that I think every sports fan should should be a part of and witness. With that being said, I think we talked about it, Michelle. We're going to go over in this game as well because it's going to be a lot of points scored in this one. So, two things here, Carrie. Number one, I have been fortunate enough to go to LSU. LSU-Bama night game Saturday night. It's the single greatest sports experience I have ever had. And I've been lucky enough to do a lot because of this job. I've been Mm -hmm. very fortunate to get to go to a lot of places. If you are a sports fan, you have got to go to Death Valley. You've got to go to Baton Rouge. It's unbelievable. And even though during the break... We talked about going with the over because of the points that both of these teams put up. I remember a couple times that I was there and a couple times that these two teams have matched up. It's like a 6-9 game because they are they know one another so well and they're so tightly contested. So now I'm waffling, Carrie. Now I don't know if we should go over or under. Well, I, I initially thought under just because of how well Bama plays defense. And, and as you said, this matchup usually is never one of those high – uh, scoring yeah. games, uh, fifty six is a lot. So let let let's let's go. I'm with you. Let's go under. Let's go under. All right. Oh, okay. we're going to go under that. flop. That's why I have a teammate. Okay, right? okay. Well, no, this I like this though because our prop because we're pulling our prop bet from the Alabama LSU game. Bryce Young over and over or under two and a half touchdown passes in this game. I went over for my score, and I think it's going to be because. Alabama scores at least 35 to 40 points, and to get there, we're going to get at least three touchdown passes from Bryce Young. I'm going over on the two-and-a-half touchdown passes from Mr. Young. I think I still may go over. I think you're looking at a, maybe a, a, a 30 to 10, 17 type of victory, which would still put us under in score. Um, but 
over for touchdowns. So let's let's say over for for Bryce Young on touchdowns. I'm well, with you. Two point five, eh, three touchdowns. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, we can All do right. it. We can do it. All right. Getting better odds on the under than you are the over. You're getting uh, minus 105 odds on the under, but plus 114 on the over. So, or, excuse me, flip those around. Minus 105 on the over, minus uh, plus 114 on the under. So, taking a little bit more uh, money in your hands there with the Bryce Young over on the two and a half. I like it. And then let's move you to our local over? games. I'm going over as well. Okay. I'm. Uh, it's more likely. I'm just. I'm just. I'm rolling there. All let's right. go to the local games. Kentucky at. Mizzou, they host them. 40 and a half is your over-under for that game in Columbia. Well, I don't... I, I won't be negative Swear Nancy. There's no need for it. There's <laughs> no need. negative Nancy. You're making all these noises and stuff when I bring up Mizzou. Michelle, what do you... I, I, I don't like that either. They don't They don't like me to speak about my feelings about Mizzou. So I, I will... But I'm not going over, so I'm going under. Yeah, I was going to say, Carrie, I think we need to take the under on this one, bud. I don't know who's going to win, but we're going to go under. Tigers going to be some great defense play. Tigers win this game like 17-13. I'm going to go under with you guys as well, well on this one. An animal will win. <laughs> What? Hot a wild cat or a tiger? One of them. Wow. <laughs> Alrighty then. You know how many times you can just sit back and be like, "Well, a big cat's gonna win this game." One and of just, them. I just don't completely know cop out. He's not. He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. Also, our other local game. It's Michigan State traveling to Champaign to take on the number fourteen Fighting Illini. Say it again for the people in the back. Number fourteen Fighting Illini, and it's a forty and a half over under as well in Champaign. How do we see that, that one? It feels like a lot, also, Michelle. I mean, I, I'm with you, Carrie. Thirty to ten still gets you uh-huh. under so i i'm gonna have to go under on this i you know illinois plays defense extremely well i know michigan state is gonna have a few people out but that's that's i don't I know how say. many 30 point games we've scored this year so but we we're, we're seven and one and we're number 14 in the country so let's that's still, right that's right doesn't matter how you win as long as you win big time favorites too by the way 16 and a half right now hey. favorite over michigan state there. well that's the only thing carrie is with those players missing i know that we talked to coach bielma earlier yeah. in the week and he said still a dangerous team can't overlook them but i just wonder co- coming off all of the drama over the weekend the, the fight the suspensions how locked in michigan state is going to be and can illinois Exploit that and, yeah. and put some points on the board. Just give it to Chase Brown. Let it, let the beast eat. Let right? him do his thing. Um, so I, I support whatever you want to do here, Carrie. But I, I think we we might be over. You think it's over? Maybe. I'm gonna. I, I, okay, man. I trust you. I trust you. You go. You go. We'll the, go they've under. only scored. And man, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna stick with the under. You I know okay, what? Okay, we'll Ma- trust it. Michelle and her explanation for your team gave me my answer, which is Chase Brown's gonna go absolutely off. Chase Brown's having a three rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown kind of day. So you're and so I think over. so I think Illinois awesome. scoring like 30 I think they do have a 30 point game in them and so I and I think they beat up on Michigan State. I'm going over on this hmm. one. They might score 30. They're not going to give up 10 though, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. A lot of homogeneity here through the first uh, picks here. Kara, we only went different on two of our picks. That was Alabama, LSU, and then the the, uh, Michigan State and Illinois. We'll see if we change it up at all. In the NFL picks, we got three games from the NFL. A lot of the over-unders, by the way, on FanDuel.com have been locked down. So go ahead and go to FanDuel.com right now. Use promo code DRIVE. Get some money in there. Get your bets down for the FanDuel.com sportsbook before they close any of these over-unders on the NFL game. So let's jump right in. Not a minute to wait. Ravens traveling to the Bayou, another night game in Louisiana against the Saints. 47 and a half is your over-under. I, I am I have been thinking about this one, and I feel like 
you know, Lamar and 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 his crew are due for one of those one of those big games where he kind of explodes and goes off. This New Orleans team play has is starting to figure some things out. They they they're trying to figure out quarterback more importantly, Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. Jameis hasn't played in a while, but I'm gonna go over in this game. I think you're gonna have one of those big games from Lamar, and you're gonna have even though he's down another receiver, Bateman is out for the year. This this is a struggle for them. Um, Odell, if you're listening, Baltimore needs some Ravens. Baltimore <laughs> needs some receivers, so maybe there's a there's a spot there for you. Um, but I'm gonna go over in this game because I think both teams are gonna score uh, a lot of points. Yeah, this is this is like a this is like a 32-30 kind of game. I'm mm-hmm. absolutely going over on this one. And we got another game in a dome with two potentially high-scoring teams. We move up to the other side of the country. It's Detroit. The Packers are traveling to face the Lions. It's a 49-and-a-half over-under, the biggest over-under in the NFL this week. Now, if you were telling me the Packers from last year were playing the Lions of this year, I would say it's going to be a 60-point game because nobody's going to play defense. The Packers can score. The Packers can't score this year. They, they, they aren't having as much success with Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. The Lions are giving up a lot of points, and they're scoring a lot of points, but they are kind of hit and miss at times. So, Michelle, I feel as though this is an under. I do, um, too. Just because, I mean, they're, A, they're division rivals, but – you don't know what you're going to get from the Lions from week to week. You figure they're going to give up a lot of points, but the Packers aren't scoring a lot, so we're going to go under on that one. Yeah, if this wasn't the highest score on the NFL slate, I, I would have probably taken it over. But with it being that high, I, I got to roll with you guys. I got to go under. And, Michelle, I need your insight on this one because the Dolphins are traveling up to the Windy City hey. to face off against the Bears. It's going get, to get a little chilly. 45 and a half is your over under Fins versus Bears. So initially, I, w- I want to take the over, but Carrie, do you think the, that the weather has anything to do with how we should approach this? Well, I, I will tell you anytime that, and, and you know, it's an advantage for, for cold weather teams late in the season, although it's November 4th and it's still 80 degrees outside. Who knows <laughs> what's going on? Uh, and hot weather teams in, in early season games. If the weather is is starting to break and it does get a little chilly up there in Chicago, it can be difficult for for Miami. Uh, I think the weather is going to hold and it's not going to be too cold at this point. Um, you may be looking at 45, 50 degrees at the at, at worst, which is not terrible. I think that if you have that, the the Dolphins are going to score some points, but are the, are the Bears going to help out? Mm. So I, I I but even with that said, I'm still going to go over. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna you. go. I'm gonna go over with that. Let's do it. I'm gonna go under. I, good defenses who just you know one of them got a little bit lessened with the loss of Roquan Smith. The other yeah. one gets a guy like Bradley Chubb. By the way, congratulations to Bradley Chubb and the Dolphins on that extension they signed yesterday. Big Indeed. money for him. I think this will be more of a defensive battle between these two teams. I, I wonder how much our prop bet is going to factor in. Chase Claypool. We'll get to that in just a moment. I'm not really sure. I don't see this being a high-scoring game. I'm going under on this one. I see something more along the lines of Dolphins 24, Bears 17, which would get us to 41 <laughs> right under that uh, that number. So a little change there, me and Kerry. Two differences already out of our three bets. I like this. So from that Bears game, right off the bat, the new tradee, Chase Claypool to score any kind of touchdown is plus 310 right there. Kerry, this is a yes or no. Are you taking Chase Claypool to score in his first game as a Bear? Yes. The Bears needed a receiver. The Bears needed a guy that they can throw the ball to, uh, and they're going to find a way to get him the ball. So yes, he's going to score. He's going to score on Sunday. 
I have a feeling we're going to see him not get a lot of snaps. But Chase Claypool is the kind of guy that you say, listen, we're going to get you in practice. We're going to get you these 12 to 15 plays where you only got to run these kind of routes. And a lot of them are going to be jump balls, you know, throw it to the zone so only you can get it because you're bigger than most people out there. That's the kind of stuff I think might be easier for him to get in groove with in a short week of practice with a new team. So I could very easily see him just catching a jump ball down in the down in the red zone at some point from Justin Fields. Even if he's only getting like 17 total snaps, mm-hmm. would not shock me if one of those snaps is a quick little four-yard touchdown because of his size. So you're saying so yes? I'm going to go yes. All right. All right. Hey, listen. All the draft, I was hoping you are going to say no. <laughs> the, tra- the tradies are already making their impact on the team. Chase, uh, Christian McCaffrey, this 49ers are already talking about how impressed they are with him, how he's picking up their offense so yep. quickly. Again, I'm not saying it's going to be that easy for Chase Claypool, but... Come on, when you're when you're that big and we've seen some of the catches he makes, all he's got to do is just catch one little four yard fade route. Even though no NFL team should continue running fade routes, he's a good guy for it. If you're gonna run that dumb play, yeah. If you're that big and can jump and catch, you should throw the ball to him in that exactly. In that <laughs> Thank you, Rock. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for your help, Michelle. I greatly appreciate oh, also it. Also, you're going down. You got it, CD. <laughs> Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the opening drive, and it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. So, CD, yesterday we talked about how the Washington Commanders owner, Dan Snyder, has hired Bank of America to explore a possible sale of the team. And now some names have emerged as potential buyers for the team. One that might not surprise people is Jeff Bezos, of course, of Amazon Mm -hmm. Fortune. He is reportedly interested in bidding for the Commanders and... He might pursue that bid with Jay-Z, according to reports from Bloomberg and the Washington Post. What are your thoughts on those two names potentially taking over the commanders? Well, I, you know, Jeff Bezos has a <laughs> absurd amount of money, so I'm sure he has more than enough opportunity to purchase it if it's available to him. Uh, I, the, the Prime product, the games that I've been watching on Prime have not been, in my opinion, stellar. So I would hope that he runs his, his, his franchise, his football franchise, a little bit better than he runs his football programming on Prime. Um, but I, I, I am intrigued by Jay-Z potentially being a, a, an owner with him, a minority owner. And, and minority also in the sense of there are no minority owners, really, uh, Shaq Khan, um, but no other minority on, owners in the NFL. Um, a league that is majority black athletes, you would hope that there are some more black faces that are in control of things in the NFL and, and, and sitting in those meetings that are helping make those decisions as it pertains to the athletes. So definitely Jay-Z, you know, what he's meant to uh, <laughs> hip-hop culture, what he's meant to just the culture of, of our community, uh, if he's able to be a part of it. He was a part of the, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that didn't go very well. He kind of got ushered out, but new opportunity for him so hopefully there is uh, a chance that Dan Snyder gets <laughs> finds a way to remove himself because he's mm-hmm. done a lot of things there have been a lot of circumstances and questions regarding his ownership of the of the of the Washington Commanders um, so hopefully new leadership will get that organization going in the right direction the the question I have for you Carrie is both of these guys are alphas right I mean Jeff Bezos is a multi multi-billionaire he yeah. He does what he wants. He he built a 
an unbelievable company that rules the world. Mm-hmm. And Jay-Z's not a businessman. He's a businessman. Businessman. Okay? He's yeah. a businessman. <laughs> and both of these guys are alphas. Do you think that they could coexist together? I, you know, I think when you are in the room with people that you have a lot of respect for, no matter who's 1A or 1B, I think you come to an understanding of we're going to work together, and if we can, we can have a great thing. Now, the problem becomes when you do have those egos that, that one person cannot get out of the way and they have to be in control. So somebody's going to have to, at times, if that is the case, I mean, Bezos has more money than Jay-Z. He has more money than most people in the world. So sometimes you're going to have to set your ego aside in order to make relationships and make partnerships work. Uh, If they're able to do that, on certain instances, instances, then yes, it can be successful. If they if they cannot, then of course it won't work at all. You're killing me, Smalls. We talked a little bit about it last segment. Big, big college football matchup this weekend. Number four, Tennessee traveling to Athens to face on number three, Georgia. And a lot of people, carry talking about Sanford Stadium and how intense the environment can be between the hedges and what factor that may play in the game, how, how the volunteers are going to prepare for what could maybe be a daunting environment. Mm-hmm. Well, former Tennessee quarterback and current WNML radio host Eric Ainge, he played four seasons for Tennessee, and he tweeted this. He said, playing between the hedges is overrated. It's not that loud and definitely not that intimidating. It's nothing like playing Tennessee. The Vols will be just fine in Athens. Yeah, I mean, when you think of college football in the SEC, I don't necessarily think that Georgia is one of the daunting places that you think of. We talked about Death Death Valley and LSU. Mm -hmm. I think the swamp in Florida is is a place that people, maybe not so much now, but but used to be uh, a place that you thought about having to go in and play. Alabama has become that place lately. Even Tennessee itself at Tennessee, I think Knoxville, Tennessee, is is a great environment for a night game. Georgia is not a place that you really think. I mean, they have a, a, a they call it the biggest tailgate when the biggest tailgate <laughs> cocktail party or something like that when they're playing. Uh, I forget which team they're playing, I think but it's Florida, is it, right? is it Florida? Might be Florida, yeah. So it's not a place that you absolutely think of or have a fear of uh, playing there. Um, there are some places, some environments. I think about the Big Ten. Penn State is one of those places. Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan and 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 not so much Ohio State for me, but Michigan definitely was one of those places. There are certain college programs that. When you know you have to go in there, it's going to be a tough task. Um, and maybe Georgia isn't one of those places that's looked at in the SEC as a, a fearful place. Now, that when you get on the field, those are some fearful guys you got to go against. But the, the, the atmosphere in itself may not be that daunting for them. What's the most intimidating environment you ever played in? Uh, I like Penn State. I think just wow. Penn State at night, Michigan. Uh, those are places where it's so loud. I, it, it's loud to the point where, you know, we in practice we would have the the white noise machine going throughout the entire practice, practicing not being able to hear in the huddle or not being able to hear the audibles that your coach may have. Um, you know, anytime you got a hundred thousand people that that have had all day to have beverages, adult <laughs> beverages, <laughs> and college students as well, it tends to get really loud. Um, and so, yeah, those are those are two really tough places to play. And I said, I think LSU is one of those places as well. I don't know that Georgia is on that list of of scary places to play due to that, due to the atmosphere. So when I went to Tiger Stadium, LSU Baton Rouge, it was LSU Bama night game Saturday night. It was unbelievable. Before kickoff, 
it gets so loud that you can feel the stadium reverberating under your feet. You think to yourself, is this thing going to collapse? Like, <laughs> can can the stadium, is the infrastructure sound? Can it handle this? But my girlfriend, Elizabeth, who works at ESPN, we were, we were both there for work. She's standing right next to me and she's screaming yeah. something at me and I couldn't hear her. <laughs> she's right next to me and the environment was so rowdy that I was like, I can't hear you. What right. are you saying? Right. Uh, and I, I don't Just think enjoy a lot the of, game. We can't talk yeah. right now. <laughs> I don't think a lot of places can match that. Yep. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, uh, Matt and Carrie, are you guys mimosa guys? I, I partake. I'm not. A, that's not my go-to drink. I mean, if you're having brunch, uh, it's definitely a, a drink of choice. But it's not one of my my favorite drinks. But I don't mind it. Down. Okay. I'm absolutely down. My da- my dad, who I love very dearly, one of the only things he ever drank was screwdrivers. And so mm. when I was young and I was first starting, to, when I was like 21, I was like, you know what? I'll try this one. And I'm like, yeah. Orange juice covers up things pretty nicely. <laughs> I, I like the way orange juice handles things. Okay, well, uh, anybody who's enjoyed a mimosa, and for those who've never partaken, it is champagne and orange juice. Very simple. Mm -hmm. Very simple recipe. Everybody has their preferred mimosa ratio. Champs to OJ. Well, now Tropicana just came out with this thing called the Mimosa Maker, and it's a 12-ounce spray bottle that spritzes, quote, just the right of amount of juice into your OJ. It has three different (laughs) settings. The Whisper... The what? spritz and the shower, so you can determine how much OJ that you want in your mimosa. They're saying that it's a good gift for the holidays. Get somebody this this spray bottle, and I think this is one of the most unnecessary <laughs> things that's ever been created, guys. Like, if you can't pour the right amount of OJ into your champagne, I, I don't know why a spray but bottle would do the trick. If you can't pour it the right amount, just drink it and pour another one. That's all you got to do. <laughs> I, I, that seems like the simplest part of the the the, the simplest solution to that problem just drink another one <laughs> fix your another one drink that one and, and get the right ratio the next time it sounds like marketing ploy I, I, big time good for them you gotta can do what you, you imagine gotta do. going out to a restaurant for brunch and somebody's like oh uh hold on let me pull out my spray bottle <laughs> let me top myself off with some tropicana there's gonna be some people doing that i'm sure of that that's michelle i'm carrie coming up next it's what's on tap we'll dig into a little bit about what joey v had to think about the young players on the lines for the st louis blues that's next on the opening drive Back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The struggles, I guess they shouldn't be all that surprising when you have new guys taking on new roles, like Robert Thomas taking the majority of the faceoffs. He's the one playing 21 minutes while Ryan O'Reilly's playing the 16-17. So those roles have flipped. You almost wonder, at some point, does Craig Berube pivot away from using the new guys so much? Because once you keep falling into this hole, maybe it's too big where you can't claw out of it. Uh, but at the same time, you have to give these young guys uh, the reins and the freedom uh, to go out there and be creative and, and take this extra ice time because they are essentially the future. So it, it, there is, he's in a tough spot. I, I can really feel for Craig Berube as he knows he has to use these young guys in a much higher capacity. But at the same time, when you get away from using your veterans as much, like the O'Reilly's and Shens and Tarasenko's, um, you find yourself losing some games, which is a tough spot to be in. That was Joey Vitelli on uh, on with us earlier discussing what he thinks may start to happen with Berube and, and these Blues lineups. Just the younger guys getting more minutes at this point and not seeing the results that you need. At some point, you may decide, hey, you know, Vladdy and, and, and O'Reilly need to have those minutes that those that those younger guys are getting in order for us to win games and sustain leads while we're while we're up. Yeah, I, I'm with Joey V there, Kerry. It is a 
precarious position to be in if you're Craig Berube because those younger guys are eventually going to ascend to yeah. being the leaders. And, and by giving them the contracts, uh, Thomas and Kyrie specifically, you're telling them you're the future. You're the foundation that we're going to move, move build around moving forward. And you, you want to throw them in the deep end and see how they respond and see how they swim because eventually they're going to have to assume that role. And just like anything in life, you get better with reps. When when you assume a new role, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight, but you can ascend to be the player and the leader that you need to be. So you want to continue to give them those opportunities to blossom into that player that they're hoping that they're be or that they're projecting to be. But after these past six games, maybe you do scale it back. Maybe mm-hmm. you do revert back to, honestly, at this point, Carrie, I would just do whatever I could to stop the bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> I, whatever <laughs> needed to be done in order to turn the tide and get this team back rolling and feeling confidence in themselves again, I would do, and then you can reassess from there. Yeah, I wonder if there is a, you know, just a, a kind of a friction in that locker room, just trying to get those younger guys to play well and those older guys, you know, as you talked about, Tarasenko and O'Reilly, who are not uh, signed for next year, who are who will be free agents, trying to figure out where where you find that jail, that meshing point. Um, if you're giving the younger guys more time on the ice and they're not performing at the level that you need to, and you have these older guys sit, sitting there, maybe they're like, hey, yeah, I know. <laughs> Look at us. We're still here. We're still working. We're still doing the things that we've always done. Um, you, you can run into a situation where there can be friction in that locker room and there can be uh, kind of a split where they, they're trying to figure out who they are and what they are. So I hope that that's not, it hasn't gotten to that point. I hope that they are, you know, the younger guys are still willing to listen, still willing to learn because you don't know everything. Even though you, you've you gotten paid, you don't know everything. Those guys have seen things that you're still learning and, and when you become an eight, nine, ten year veteran, yes, you will be able to talk to the younger guys and explain it to them. But right now, it's a, it's a, it's a it's an interesting situation that Barubi may be facing just trying to figure out how to win games and how to get all of these guys to gel and mesh and play well consistently for a 60 minute game and not chunks here chunks there uh but throughout the entire game and and that's a tough task for a coach but it's the job that you have and i know that Last night, um, Doug Armstrong said it it wasn't necessarily about the result, but about the effort. And he just wanted to see more positive signs. But you kind of were hoping that the result would be a win. I know that the Islanders were on a roll after the win last night. They won five consecutive games. They're kind of the opposite of the Blues right now. They're a surging team. But now you've lost six straight and you're faced with the Boston Bruins, who are 10-1 and and arguably the best team in the NHL right now. So um, it's a tough task for them, Carrie. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the Bruins or really put it together um, for that game, but you just kind of wonder when you'll start to see things shift. Indeed. Michelle, you have been with us all week. I am so thankful for you, for all that you do for me, for us. Um, People want to know where they can listen to you at, how they can hear you, when they will be able to hear you again. So I'm going to give you this moment to tell about your time in New York and what's going on with you and where people can listen to you at so they can get their Michelle Smallman fix when you're not on our airways. Oh, well, thank you for that. Well, and thank you guys for allowing me to fill in this week. It's been so fun to hang out with uh, you, Carrie and Matt all week. And of course, our our St. Louis family here. It's just been a blast to to be able to talk about the Cardinals and the Blues. It's been awesome. Um, Well, speaking of St. 
Lewis. You can catch me on Soccer 101, the podcast that I do with Moon from the Rizzuto Show from 105.7 The Point. We have three episodes out now. You can find it on 101 ESPN or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at msmallman. That's S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N. And I'll always push out the links there. And then um, as far as the ESPN stuff, I will be hosting SportsCenter all night next Friday and Saturday. So if you're driving around, especially on Saturday after college football, it's, it's yeah. really fun because all of the games are happening and I'll be there live with you to break down everything that's happened in the world of sports. So, uh, again, I will... I need to be better about tweeting out links, but I, I will I will be sure to tweet out a link so you can stream it. Um, if you're you know out having a beverage on Friday night and you you're in an Uber or yes. you know you're going home in some way, just flip the radio to ESPN Radio and uh, and on 101 ESPN and you can catch me there. Thank you, Michelle. I greatly appreciate it. And I will be texting and calling you with more information that I need when I need, when I have questions. Michelle is my go-to person, so I call her and text her with any questions and concerns. Uh, And you have been a blessing for me in that that department. So I thank you. I want everyone to know how great you are. You are amazing, and I thank you. So thank you for joining me this week. Joining us this week has been awesome. Well, anytime, Stevie, you know that. And I'm happy to be your coach. You you coach me in so many ways. I'm happy to just return the favors in a small way. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rock. My pleasure, CD. Thank you so much for this week, man. It was a lot of fun. And Michelle, it was great to uh, work with you again. I hope you have a lot of fun in New York. I know you have a lot of fun in New York. You were just talking about the. You're having way so much fun. I also follow you in New York. We are jealous of the amount of fun you're having in New York, night in and night out. You you said it at some point this week that, you know, I think you said with Joey, you just don't want to wait in line because there's so much for you to do. I followed you on Instagram. You be doing it. You you be doing the things, Michelle. Guys, I didn't move here to sit in my tiny apartment. There you That's go. All I'm saying. Go right. outside, move, enjoy life. Do stuff. How, small, right. how small is the apartment? <laughs> anyway, it's time to <laughs> Coming up next is a balloon party with Ajax and T Mac. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.